had so much content this week. We had to split it up into two podcasts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of That's What G Said. It is Friday, November the 17th, late Thursday the 16th into Friday the 17th. And we have NFL Week 11. Damn, we're already to Week 11 game previews with Eric. He joins me for each individual game preview. A lot of times I will get this out Thursday, either right around the time the start of the game or even sometimes after. But we preview these on Wednesday night, so you can always get them. If you follow me on Twitter, it's me, Gino B, or on Facebook or on YouTube. I'll always post these the night before, as soon as we record them right afterwards, and then I put them on the podcast with everything else for the weekend. So you'll get NFL Week 11 game previews with Eric, and then we'll get to Loki. Tim Kelly joins me to discuss Episodes 4, 5, and 6, the second part of Season 2 of Loki, which was fantastic. We absolutely loved it. Really great conversation with Tim, talking about all the positives and all the things that Loki made us feel as fans. NFL Week 11 Game Previews and Loki Episode 4, 5, and 6 coming up right now on this episode of That's What G Said. That is presented by full-service realtor Cindy Carava, the website C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com, and she can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing, anything you need in the world of real estate. Contact Cindy Carava. NFL Week 11 Game Previews with Eric. NFL Week 11 game previews. Eric joins me to discuss everything going on in the NFL and to preview all of your Week 11 NFL games, starting with the Steelers, uh, starting, excuse me, with the uh, the Bengals at the Ravens on Thursday. I had a scrolled all the way down to the bottom, but I was thinking about that, Eric, because we actually get a really interesting Thursday night football game this week. Last couple of weeks, things have been a little bit off for the both of us, mainly because my schedule was off. But now uh, we're able to kind of get back into our normal swing of things this week with um, our show on recording for my podcast Wednesday. You and I will talk on uh, on the winning ticket on Friday and then Sunday morning. We'll also preview all of these games with the latest up to date news and notes and, and everything there. But the Bengals, Eric, ha- they're like a fascinating team to discuss because after their few recent wins and Joe Burrow starting to look more healthy, their defense also started to look a little bit better. Everyone kind of penciled them in as like, Oh, they're going to be one of the top teams. Now they're just going to go on a win streak sort of like they did last year. And that was not the case at all. Last week, the Bengals ran into a really good Texans team. The Bengals score a touchdown on their opening drive. Followed by that. They had four consecutive three and outs over the second and third quarters before having to kneel down. So, I mean, they they were just, I don't know if it was like a flat spot for them because they played well and they had this game on deck, but when we discussed it, you wouldn't have felt like they were going to take a Texans team lightly with Stroud looking so good and the Texans being kind of a buzzy team. But that, that sort of felt like what happened when you watched the game. The Bengals got two turnovers and couldn't do anything with those possessions. They didn't score at all with two gifts. Boyd dropped a wide-open touchdown that could have put them ahead. The defense allowed 544 total yards, 7.4 yards per play. They got beat up on the ground and through the air, too. It wasn't like, oh, they just couldn't stop a receiver. They were down-to-down. They got beat up. Singletary had 150 yards rushing. But even with all those struggles, they still had a chance to win the game. They got this big one here now, and Hendrickson, for them on the defensive side, hurt that won't help 
But in these divisional games, a lot of times they're very close, Eric. Uh, the Ravens, a couple really interesting stats before I throw it over to you on the Ravens this year. Through 10 games, they have trailed the third least of any team in NFL history. That's pretty crazy to me that of all the teams in the entire NFL, how long they've been behind in their first 10 games, Baltimore is the third team. They've barely been behind at all. What's really crazy is that if you took the top five teams, all all five of the teams who've been behind the least amount of time in their first 10 games, the two teams in front of Baltimore were 10 and 0. The two teams behind Baltimore were 10 and 0. And they're seven and three. They find ways to lose. You know, all three of their losses this year, Eric, they could easily be 10 and 0. Very easily. Like they, they were games that they sort of lost. I know most teams aren't going to go perfect, but it, that, that is what happens with this team. Like they've had a bad stretch over the last, what, couple of years. I think they're the only team in history to lose a game despite holding four separate leads of 14 points in a game. Um, just some really crazy stats. They were up big in this game and they spit it out. Um, so two game, two teams coming off of pretty bad losses for them. And now they've got a huge game on Thursday night, divisional game on a short week. Talk to us about how you see this one playing out. I mean, it's so at openers, this was three and one shot pet at two and a half. So I actually, I got the Ravens at two and a half. And obviously that number is long gone, you know, with the news of um, the news of Hendricks and everything, but the thing that mainly stuck out to me and, you know, we talked about it last week was just kind of the splits that CJ Stroud has had on the road and this Bengals defense just for the life of them could not get a stop. And it wasn't even against CJ. It was even just stopping the run. Exactly. They were bad. Who has been, I don't want to use the term putrid, but you know, he really hasn't been anything this non-existent. Like we haven't heard anything about him at all. Um, and he, he looked like a rock star. Um, how are they going to slow down this run game? Right. Is that what kind of was sticking in your head? Like if they can't bring down Singletary, they're going to be able to stop Lamar and this powerful Ravens run game. It is. That's the thing. But I mean, I've just got an alert that Staley, who's one of their best tackles is not going to play the game. I mean, that's kind of like these Thursday night games. people get out and that hurts, hurts it. And Lamar now that the difference like, between the number you got to, right? The two and a half versus the three and a half now, that's a that's a major difference. That's a huge difference. And I mean, Lamar Jackson, when the spread when he's laying three and a half or more, he's only 39% against the number, which is a big difference. When he's three or less, the guy is a covering machine. And I really at this current number, I wouldn't play it. I'm just worried about the Bengals' defense. They weren't able to get stops at all against C.J. Stroud and the weapons that he has rolling out. Uh, the Ravens do have more weapons, especially with Zayv Flowers and Mark Andrews. Are you going to be able to stop um, Gus Edwards and Keaton Wait, Mitchell? We've seen some like Odell mean. and signs of life from Odell, right, in the last few weeks too where it's like he doesn't need to be a number one guy, but when he can just make a flash and make a big play here and there, and there's a little bit less pressure on him, that's a good role for him. Yep. And then you look at um, um, Zay Flowers. He's been electric. I just, my thing is this, is I just, at this current number, I wouldn't do it. I would look maybe for some prop plays. Maybe I would go there. Obviously Burrow is a stud, um, but he is 0-5 straight up 
on the road in primetime games. So that's another trend you kind of have to remember. Uh, the current number I'd pass, if this, if you can get this at three or lower on the um, live betting, I, I'd look to do that. A couple things I wanted to flash up because I didn't get to mention them uh, before. We're looking at the lines at DRF Sportsbook. And anyone that's in the state of Iowa, you can actually sign up for a DRF Sportsbook account right now. And you can play along. It's scrolling across the bottom of the screen. Our promo code, if you use FAST300, it'll give you all the way up to a $300 deposit match bonus. So if you want to play along as we get you all set up, if you're in Iowa, if you know anyone who is there, let them know. But in many other places, you can play parlayplay.com. IO use the promo code NFL betting blitz. You can parlay props together. You can bet on a players over or under on projected fantasy points each week. They have free NFL contests each and every week. They have games for all sports all the time. So if you're ever looking for some action, check out parlayplay.io. Eric, we talked about the Bengals and the team that defeated them in the Texans. Now we'll talk about them. Is there a five point favorite? hosting the Arizona Cardinals. This game is on Sunday. Texans were, there was nothing fluky about that game, right? That, that it wasn't like, oh, the Texans got a pick six and it just flipped the game. They had 544 total yards. The Bengals had 380. They had 7.4 yards per play. They had 188 yards rushing, 350 yards passing. They won the time of possession. The only reason why the game was close they had three turnovers and they had seven penalties and they were three of five in the red zone. So what's crazy, they beat a good team on the road as a touchdown underdog and they still got stuff to clean up. Like they can still be even better than they were, um, which is got to be a great positive for this coaching staff to be able to show this young team, look, you're playing well, you're playing the right way, but we can still do better. We can even do better than we did before. Um, they're starting to get to the point now where this team is, is very buzzy. You know, everybody's really high on them now. Jacksonville hasn't looked great. Jacksonville just got crushed, and Houston beat Jacksonville earlier in the year. So now a lot of people are wanting to jump on this Texans team. But I want to give them a ton of credit. Stroud was awesome. He was great at quarterback five on the week. He had eight pass plays of 20-plus yards, and he wasn't perfect. He's still young. He's still going to make mistakes. In fact, he had a bad little stretch. He fumbled twice in scoring range. He made a bad throw that was intercepted late in the game when they had a 10-point lead, and all they needed then was to pick up a first down. And they got the ball back, and then on the next drive, he had a bad underthrow, which meant Cincinnati got the ball back, and they tied the game. But you gave him another chance. He goes on a game-winning drive, sets up the Texans for the field goal, he ended up completing 11 of 19 passes for 10 plus air yards down the field. He's actually thrown for a league high air yards on, on 10 plus passes, uh, 10 plus yards and the best EPA in the entire league. He's, he's second in the league in passing yards. Do you know, Eric, who's number one? Sam Howell. I know it was one of those things where if you looked it up, you would have seen it, but I'm sure many people wouldn't have guessed Sam Howell right off the bat. It, Howell and Stroud are your top two passers this year, you know, and that a lot of that has to do with coaching scheme. They're putting these guys in positions to succeed and to at least look good. Noah Brown was awesome and their defense played pretty well. They sacked the quarterback four times. They had two interceptions. We saw Kyler Murray come back. 
I don't know if I take that more of a Arizona win or an Atlanta loss, Eric. Atlanta's just got a lot of bad going on right there, and they've just got a lot of bad energy. They didn't move the ball at all. They didn't even try to throw the ball down the field, but we did see Kyler Murray show some signs of Kyler Murray. He was able to scramble around. He didn't really look rusty. He got the ball out quickly um, in some spots, and he he leaned on McBride. It seems like maybe McBride is the guy that will you know, have, have his game raised by Kyler Murray. I think McBride had 131 receiving yards, eight catches on nine targets. How do you see this one? Cardinals, Texans. Texans are a five-point favorite here. I mean, you mentioned the 500 yards. Teams that had over 500 yards of total offenses, there's two of them this week. The following week, are it rounded up to 46% against the spread, so it's good to fade them. Um, we've kind of we saw this, this with the Dolphins earlier this year, yeah. too. Yep. We saw, kind of saw this, um, you know, with Lamar last week. You know, Lamar MVP, Lamar's back. Now everyone's talking about C.J. Stroud. Was that – that was Stroud's first good game outdoors. First good game where he didn't play in Texans. Was that C.J. or is that the issues that the, that the Bengals have defensively? Um, you look at Kyler Murray. You mentioned him. As a dog, he's been a covering machine. He's 65% AT at 65.6, excuse me, ATS as a dog. 76.6% ATS as a dog. Do the Texans have the team speed on the outside to contain Murray and keep him in that pocket? We saw that electric play against the Falcons where he basically ran 30 yards to extend the play. I don't think the Texans have the speed, especially on the defensive line with their DEs and their linebackers to keep up. That's going to allow Kyler to extend the plays. You're looking at it. This Texans defense can be beat in the air. This is, I fairly feel this is going to be a Hollywood Brown type game and also a McBride type game. And the thing to remember with Murray is, he is playing for his next contract, you know, have it be with Arizona or have it be at another team. If he plays well, people seem to forget they drafted Paris Johnson last year. If he plays well and they have a high pick and people want a quarterback, they could keep Kyler trade back, get some more assets, or they can Absolutely. draft a lineman from Penn state. So there's a lot of uh, stuff going on. Kyler's not going to roll over. And then you kind of look at, the offensive production in the hole for the um, um, the Cardinals, they've struggled when they don't have James Conner. When they have someone that can't Absolutely. run the ball, they've struggled. Now, granted, Conner, he had 70 yards only, but still. That was just his first game back, hard, right? He was shaking the rust off. The ball, you know, it just takes a lot of pressure off him. I think this is a sell spot on the Texans. I mean, you completely have to agree. Here in my eyes, yeah. I'm gonna take um, and I'm gonna take the uh, plus four. And I think think if you just look at the Cardinals this year, their almost their entire sample size was games without James Conner and Kyler Murray. So their their team is kind of undervalued right now, and maybe they're yeah. not gonna be that good. I'm not saying that they're going to be a Super Bowl contending team, right? But I still think they're undervalued based on what their roster has been most of the year and actually what it is this week. Like having those two guys on your team really will open things up. And I do think like, I'm not going to pretend like I'm the biggest Kyler Murray fan in the world. It's sort of flipped the other way on Kyler. Like he was, he's had some really good success in the NFL. Like he's, he's been very good and he's actually been a pretty good winner. A lot of places that he's gone throughout his life. We just remember 
things started great for him. And then the, the end of the season, both of the last couple, or I think three of the last couple seasons were just awful. He got hurt. Then I think they started like eight and oh that year, remember? And then down the stretch, they were bad. It was the same thing uh, the year after that, where they'd get off to these good starts and then he'd really struggle. But I, the, the narrative on Kyler has flipped too much. And I agree with you. He's someone that's super capable. And in a spot like this, I think he can keep them in the game. I'm on the Cardinals spot too. We haven't, uh, I don't even think we've picked out our five the last few weeks, but we'll do it this week. This will, this will definitely be one of them. We're both on the Cardinals side here, just selling on the Texans right now. They're just a little high. This feels like it could be a field goal type game where it's like tied and the ball's in Stroud's hands and they go and win it. And we've got a couple free points here, you know? So yeah, it's all about buying most on high in the NFL. And that's the big thing to remember. Like I felt last week was absolutely hard as hell in the NFL. I feel this week there's a certain angles where we can exploit um, perception on these teams. And I think this is one of them. I think that this is a little bit too high and we can look to fade uh, the Texans here. We're on the Cardinals plus the five. We move next to the Bears at the Lions. Man, Eric, your Lions continue to look good. It is the third seven and two start for them in the last 60 years only. Haven't had many of these seven and two starts, but they look like one of the best teams in football. Even when they got beat up by the Ravens, that was an awesome win for them. They're 15 and four in their last 19 games. The Lions. Third. I mean, it's just that's insane. That is insane for you as a Lions fan. And I think their defense has a little bit of issues. Um, It does. Yeah. And you could see it last week. They struggled. They allowed, you know, 38 points in the game. They, they, they didn't have any sacks and they only had one takeaway that that's the key, right? They can be, they can give up some points here and there, but if you're going to be the type of defense that is volatile, you've got to be able to put pressure on the quarterback some of the time you can't be giving up 38 points and not putting any pressure on them. So that's, that is a concern. But what I love about this team, Eric, is they found a bunch of different ways to win games this year. You know, they've leaned on the run game. They've leaned on the pass. I think Dan Campbell said it. This was a shootout game that they haven't won games like this in the past. These high scoring games where they go back and forth. They've been in a lot of these games, but they haven't won them. And Amon Ra, St. Brown, Fourth straight game with at least 100 yards. He had 156. Lions have 533 total yards, 8.3 yards per play. They had plays of 13 yards, 19 yards, 24 yards, 25 yards, 35 yards, 41 yards, 46 yards, and 75 yards. They were just destroying the Chargers. They did struggle on third down. They were only 4 of 13. But then Campbell picks up a skirt and takes a look at what he's got. He goes for it on fourth down five times. They made it four of those times. They ran. My favorite play, though, was the third and one to Brock Wright. The tight end pass right up the middle. That was just a fantastic play call. And they were able to go for it on third and one and take a shot because you know they're going to go for it on fourth and one if they don't get it. You know, he feels like, eh, yep, let's take two shots right here. He, Dan Campbell, is right now is your coach of the year through nine, no, 10 weeks. I think no doubt about it. Having this team seven and two, I, you know, we could talk about the Texans. We could talk about the Vikings, you know, them, but Campbell's been awesome. And with two minutes to go in the game is fourth and two from the 26 yard line. They could have kicked a field goal to go up three. Most coaches would have done that. You go up three, you try to hope that your defense can hold. Campbell said, Nope, I'm going to go for it. They did. They picked it up and then they run out the clock and they kick a field goal. They don't even give the chargers another chance. 
And my favorite play of the game, the pass play was to Brock Wright. My favorite play in general, Jamison Williams. Guy has struggled with some drops. He's been not in the lineup very much. He was hurt last year, and then this year he had the gambling stuff. And then he goes out and makes this fantastic block to spring a big play. Like, he flies to get in front of Montgomery and then lay someone out to open it up for him. That's the kind of thing that you have on winning teams, on good teams. But all of that being said, all of my love for the Lions, is this number getting too high now? It's been between like eight and nine the last couple of days, Eric. Oh, I actually got it at 10. I took the Bears yeah. plus, plus Right, the 10. that's, it's been um, high. I mentioned the um, the 500 yards thing before Lions had over 500 yards last Last week, so that's another angle. Another another angle is last five years, divisional road dogs are 56% ATS. When that line is seven and a half or higher, that jumps up to 60% ATS. And look, Goff has won and I believe covered 12 straight against the NFC North. That's just crazy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it comes to the point where he's just kind of due for a little bit of regression. Fields is explosive. He's going to be playing quarterback. Hence, the line dropped down to this eight. He's going to look to be able to extend the plays. Lions like to run the ball. Bears are actually really good this year against the run. Defending they the struggle. run. They're one of the best. They're one of the best teams in the league defending the run. They they struggle defending the pass. And that's really where Goff is going to be able – the pressure is just going to be at Goff to step up and throw the balls. Big Thanksgiving Day game on deck against the Packers. Obviously – you know, the Packers are down this year, so I wouldn't really say it's a sandwich spot, but I do think this Thanksgiving Day just game, just because the Lions have struggled in it, they are going to be looking forward to it because it's going to be their time to shine on national television. Big win over the Chargers. The trends say it to fade the Lions. Lions are going to look to run. Like you mentioned, Bears are pretty stout this year against the run. You, you know, know, just real quick, that, to stop. they're number one in rushing EPA against. The Bears are number one. And they are number two in rushing success rate. Or flip that. They're number two in rushing EPA against, only behind Tampa. They are number one in rushing success rate allowed. They allow rushes to be graded successfully only 32% of the time. So two out of three times, you're getting stuffed when you run the ball against the Bears. Which, you know what? You start looking at that and... You feel like there might be some things to build on with them. Their defense is actually improving quite a bit. It was last year and early in the year, you could do anything you wanted against the Bears. And now you know that you can't really run on them. And that makes things much, much easier for them. I mean, they're sixth DVOA against the run too. So all of the metrics show that they're a very good run, uh, defending the run team. And yeah, you can say this is going to be on Goff's shoulders here. Yeah. At, at over seven and a half, that's where I would jump over in. Seven and a half, yeah. And the one thing we'll do this, and, you know, there's just certain wells I'm going to a lot with these player props. Bears defending the pass. You know, Bears have really struggled defending the running back in the passing game. Um, it took a little, a little while to get there last Thursday night with Miles Sanders, but it eventually got there. Obviously, Gibbs, Gibbs. is the catching back, so I'm going to look to play Gibbs receiving yard over. My guess it would probably be in the mid-20s, maybe the upper 30s. But I'll definitely still still look to do still look to invest in that. So it'd be the Gibbs receiving yards over, and uh, the the Bears anything seven and a half or higher. And I will still agree with you, and I'm I'm sure you still feel this way. In that, 
you would have preferred, I mean, like Carter, right? Or or a defensive end or an edge or like a really good defender to help. But I mean, the more I think about it, I, I kind of think like Seattle taking the DB from was what changed was what was changed kind of like skewed everything and Holmes kind of panicked. And, and so I, well, my point was going to be last week was the template for them in getting Gibbs right in, in like in their head, if things work perfectly, it's what happened last week where you've got 14 carries for Montgomery, right? You've got 14 or 15 touches for Gibbs. What did he have? 14 carries, three catches, he gets a 35-yard run and a 24-yard reception. Then you've got Montgomery where he's got the 12. Like the balance like that with those two guys, totally different backs. That was what they were thinking in their head when things go perfectly, right? Correct. And it's just – I'll always think what, what could have been with What this could team. have been. Yeah. You'll at, what, you'll at least we'll see some snapshots with it from certain weeks. But like we said, when we, when you see the defense struggling a little bit, you just gosh, could they have had another person up there next and, to Hutchinson? And play somebody that's electric in the slot, like have it be yeah. Zay Flowers, have it be uh, Keenan Allen. That's where the real hole is defensively, and we it just kind of stood out. Uh yeah, it's it's gonna be grimy. I'm gonna you know I the Bears. The half. I'm taking the Bears and the Bears. Be I would just be careful. This is gonna be what there's a couple big spreads. I think one of those teams is going to lose this week. Lose straight up, and we are we'll, we'll see one of them right next door in the Cowboys at the Panthers. So, man, Dak has had a couple fantastic games, in particular like fantasy games. He's had four in a row that were just monster, monster games. They had a slow start to their game last week, the Cowboys. They turned the ball over on downs and then had an interception on two of their first four possessions. But they've outscored the Giants 89-17 to this year. And they ended up not only with 500 yards, Eric, they had 640 total yards last week, and they only allowed 172 yards of total offense. Dak finished graded quarterback number two on the week. He's actually graded quarterback number five on the season. Cooks had a big year, nine, a big week, nine receptions for 173 yards. They've now won 12 in a row at home, dating back to last year. They haven't really played very many tough opponents but they've outscored their opponents this year at home 170 to 50. They have not scored fewer than 30 points at home and none of their opponents have scored more than 20. I mean, it as a gambler or as someone who's watching these football games, you look at a game like this and it's like, ah, nobody wants to play the Panthers. But I think as a gambler, Eric, that's the difference between being a fan and between being a gambler is that I look at this game immediately, and this was one of the first games on the board I was I would gravitate towards. And it's not because I'm in love with Carolina at all, but what we're talking about is that Carolina had a bad loss last week. They lose to the Bears on Thursday night, so everybody sees it, you know? Um, and it makes it even worse because Young gets outplayed by Tyson Bajan. You know, he did not look good in that game. And now you've got to play against this Dallas defense. That's incredible. Um, but Dallas is going on the road. I just pointed out how much better they are at home. Dallas had laid an egg in a game just like this earlier this year against Arizona when they come off of a big win and then they get a little too hyped up and they lay an egg at over 10 on the road against the Carolina team that is so undervalued right now that everybody just thinks, I mean, they are, they had 43 yards rushing 
against the Bears on Thursday a, a week. But they've got a few extra days now, and they are at their lowest value point. Bryce Young, baby. Let's do this, Eric. I'm all over the Panthers. Talk to us about this game. So this is why I, I locked him in at 11. Teams that won, we talk about buying low, selling high. Teams that won by 30 points or more the previous week, that week are 46% ATS. When they are favorites, that drops down to 45. When they're road favorites, that drops down to 39 and a half. Since 2005, road favorites laying 10 or more are 41 and a half percent. Now, the main thing is I took, I looked at DAX home and road splits. Completion percentage on the road down 16.7%. Yards, even though he has one more game on the road, he's thrown for yes, less yards. Yards per pass attempt down. TDs down, INTs up. He is really struggling on the road. Panthers defense is playing a lot better. Plus, it, it's looking like they're going to be getting some of their key guys back from injury, which is going to help. Kind of feel like this is a letdown spot for the Cowboys coming up a big win. Commanders on Thanksgiving Day on deck. Now, this is my worry point. Frank Wright gave up the passing. Frank Wright gave up the play calling. Dude, in- I felt the offense looked a lot better. They were lo- using a lot more motion. I could just kind of it. It felt a, it looked better than what it was because Wright is not a big motion guy. And then it came out today that he was taking play calling over again. It was going to be a team effort. So I'm a little worried about that because Wright can get a little old school with his play calling. So I'm a little worried about that. But at the end of the day. I just feel this is kind of like the Panther spot. This would be 100%. so Cowboys to go on the road and lose this game. I would I would sprinkle a little bit on the plus four of ten. I'm not kidding. Not a lot, but this this feels just like that spot where you know the Panthers win three games this year, but whoever they beat, they're gonna be they're gonna be dogs in almost and every Pan- one of those spots. And the thing is, is the Panthers are the Panthers have to compete. They're, they don't play for their pick. Them absolute idiots yeah there it doesn't make any sense for them to they yeah. want young to look better now again this is not a good defense for him to go against right like the matchup on the field it leans heavily cowboys but we're at such an overvalued point right now like this should be more like seven and a half you know yeah. like this should be uh, above a touchdown wanting to get you to bait it in there. But I, it feels like we've got an extra three and a half, even like four points for Eric, who got this at 11. So um, let's go Panthers. Let's go Frank Reich. Let's go Bryce Young. We've got, just just to give you an idea of how this week's going, Eric, so far, our three games that we've got together, and I knew we would when I was you know, handicapping these games, Cardinals, Bears, Panthers, that's a beautiful looking ticket right there so far with three of our plays for the it's week. Awesome. I know it doesn't. It doesn't have to be sexy, right? It can be dirty. It can be dirty, that's like Christina said. Bet. Those are the yeah. Those are the because nobody bet. wants them, and that's you always win or lose. You get you get better value. We've got yep. a point or two built in here because nobody wants to play the Panthers right now. Let's go to our next game. Chargers at the Packers. Chargers are a three-point favorite here on the road going to Green Bay. How about this stat? Justin Herbert has 59 career starts, including the playoffs. They have scored 1,502 points. They have allowed 1,502 points. Exactly. 
in his in his starts. That's that's insane for there to be the exact same number of points he's scored and the exact same number of points that have been scored against him in 60 starts, including the playoffs. Man, it, this is another team that you felt like they were getting ready to take the step forward. It felt like defensively they were because they played better against uh, what a couple bad offensive opponents, the Jets most recently. Then they come in this game, they give up 533 total yards. And it was sort of like the Bengals in that it wasn't like, oh, they couldn't stop Amon Ross St. Brown, which they couldn't, but they gave up 333 yards passing and 200 yards rushing. Yeah. They just got beat up all over the place. Um, then the Lions scored on six out of eight possessions and only punted one time in the game. And then there's a situation where the Chargers have a first and goal at the eight. They had eight plays. It took yeah. them eight plays. And then on the eighth play, they finally got in. They had a fourth and one twice. They got a penalty, a new set of downs. It was fourth and goal or his first and goal from the one. And it took them to fourth down. Herbert had an awesome week. Um, he looked really good. He hadn't looked as good for the few weeks leading in. And honestly, he's only graded quarterback number 13 on the year. There's probably three or four games where he's been a little head scratching. And Allen was awesome. But in total Chargers fashion, Eric, they've got five losses this year. Four of them have come by one score. In fact, four of them have been by three points or less. They just can't win these close games again. Um, on the Packers side, Three-point home dog here. Love actually played pretty well through a lot of the game last week. And then he throws interceptions on the final two drives, both of them inside the Pittsburgh 20-yard line when just one score on either one of them would have won the game for them. He did have five big-time throws and just one turnover-worthy play. What I liked about that, that was college Jordan Love, right? The the big-time throws but also making mistakes – he hasn't been that at Green Bay. He hasn't had any big-time throws, really. He's not been a guy that's been connecting very well. So I do like that the last couple weeks, he has looked better. And against this Chargers defense, like at over three, Eric, I'm, I would only be on the Green Bay side here with how bad that Chargers defense is, having to play at Green Bay, a tough place to play, um, you know, negatives about, Staley out there, not sure how much he's still got this locker room to believe in them after losing all these close games. To me, I'm on Green Bay or I'm staying away. Yeah, all those rumors that Belichick's going to be the next coach out there and everything. Let me ask you this, um, you know, and I asked this to Joe Madden, who was on my show last night, and she's this diehard Chargers fan. Is Justin Herbert this generation's Dan Marino? That's a great, great comparison. It really is. Because it's so spot on in that most of the time when they lose, it's not Herbert's fault, right? But there is this little bit of like him not when he There's gets the time, right? When he, gets, when he gets the ball in his hands late in the game, he's, he doesn't go down and drive. Like, I think when you and I talked about this like two years ago, we had a conversation of if you could have any quarterback with like, you know, a minute to go in the game, you get the ball and drive down. I think one of the guys that you said was Herbert. And I, I agreed, like, he has everything you want. But in the last couple of years, in, when he gets situations like that, he's not been the best pressure player. It's one of those things where it's not his fault. But then when he does have times to be the guy to kind of take the reins and, and go get the win, 
he hasn't done it. But his numbers, his stats always look fantastic. And he is, if you're just looking at a guy who can drop back and make more impressive throws than anyone, I think it's him, like more than any player in the league. And that's all of those things are exactly Marino. All of them. They were exactly yeah, it's, Marino. It's just kind it's of mind boggling. Great comparison. Um, good call, man. The um, well, I I heard it when I was flicking through the radio, so it's not it's not mine. I can't I can't take credit for it. Um, but yeah, but it's good to go I, with it because, like you said, lots of all the similarities. I wanted the three and a half. If this was three and a half, that would be my buy-in point. My issue is I have no living idea what the hell Floor is doing on the offensive end of the ball. Jones isn't touching the ball enough for my liking. You have um, Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, but yet you're targeting who's at Wicks and Jalen Reader. Like what Reed? Like what exactly are you doing offensively? Very strange. Um, so I really have no faith in the Packers here. I'd really say this moving forward. Looking, we really need to target running backs against the Packers. But when I'm watching the Chargers game. The main thing that stands out to me. They can't run the ball at all. Well, no, is when the ball's inside the 10-yard line, Eckler is like Jim Brown. But anything outside the 10, he's the other 90 yards. He's like a feather. He just drops down immediately. It's like he's just playing for the touchdowns and the fantasy fantasy football points. Like, it's just really weird. Um, Well, I remember all the stuff in the offseason with the pay and him too, right? Like, he didn't get the big pay. And now you wonder with guys like that, that, that don't have those long-term contracts, do they worry more about the bumps and bruises? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like taking those hits up the middle over and over these running backs got shortchanged a lot. And I think for a lot of these guys in the back of their head, they're probably saying, Hey, if you're not going to pay me like a star, I maybe I'm not going to play as much like a star. I'm not going to take all the bumps and bruises like a star. We're, we're human, right? As much as we want to believe that stuff doesn't happen. These guys are athletes. They just want to go out there and play. Nah. Everybody doesn't care about winning all that much. A lot of guys care about their paycheck and doing what they can to get to get that. Oh, Not everybody has that mentality that's just like, I'm going to run through a brick wall to win. Yeah. Like, they don't have that mentality at all. And he's definitely a little soft. Um, mind-blowing thing to me, Staley's 55% ATS as a road favorite. That kind of stood out to me. You know, obviously, we have the Herbert trend we've talked about before. Second half, 18 and 35, 34% ATS. This game, I really have no idea what to do. Both these teams are a mystery. Chargers, ultra-talented, underperform. Um, and Packers, you're kind of hitting it. I don't know really what the Packers good. are. Like, what yeah. What would you say their identity is? You know what I mean? Like, you don't know. Well, at the beginning of the year, we thought it was going to be, okay, you know. Lean like, on your two backs, defense. Yes. Yeah, don't and don't try to make a whole lot of mistakes, but you got some young playmakers that will probably get better as the year goes on. I got no clue what they're even – wanting their identity to be yeah it's just it's just one of those things like i would not bet this game at at all it's hard to trust the chargers to win with this much margin but on the fat on the backside, look i had the packers plus three and a half last week and it was brutal losing a bet those two drives man block extra point and then love just i he had the ball and i knew somehow he was going to f up that it's the decision making, right? You just know that one yeah. of the four or five decisions he's going to make is going to be the wrong one, and it's probably going to cost him. And that's yeah. that's what's been happening with them. So, I, yeah, I'm I think I, I didn't lock this one in. If it floated up to half, 
I'd play it if it ended up going the other way at all. No, thanks. Let's go to Raiders at the Dolphins. So the Dolphins are a 13 and a half point favorite in this game. They come in off a bye. They come, they entered the game against Kansas City in Germany, averaging 18.9 points per game in the first half, which led the league. They were held to zero in the first 40 minutes of the game. They did come back and try to make it a game late. They had the ball at the Kansas City 30-yard line with a chance to tie it. Some splits for Miami. In Miami, they averaged 43 points per game. They averaged 39 points per game against teams with losing records, 17 points per game against teams with winning records. They are 0-3 against teams with winning records. Over the last two seasons, they're 0-6 in the last six games against teams with winning records or 500 or better. Uh, They're 2-7 against playoff teams over the last two years. And what's crazy, for the type of prolific offense they have, kind of diving into their offensive numbers. Normally, the teams that are really good offensively are just overwhelming. They're 17th on third down. They're below average on just picking up the third down, on third down conversions. Their percentage is 39.58. Just to give you a perspective about who the teams around them are, they were, they're worse than Atlanta, Denver, and Carolina at completing third downs. And they're slightly better than the Colts in Tampa. So that's the range that they're in when they need to get a play. Like third down and three, third down and four. Big play. You've got this awesome offense, right? That's your calling card. Why can't you go get a big play when you need it? You know, that that's something that kind of jumps out at me. Um, last few games against good teams. Kansas City, they were three of 12 on third down. Against the Eagles, they were four of 11 on third down. Against the Bills, they were three of 10 on third down. Look. I'm going to ride the Raiders here again, Eric, as this huge dog, just thinking that the Raiders are playing with house money and they've got this energy and excitement right now with the new coach. Like they're not looking fantastic, but, but they've really simplified the game. Like we, we, what we were just talking about with green Bay, that's what the Raiders are doing now. He He's just like, let's lean on Jacobs and let's not ask a whole lot of O'Connell. Back-to-back weeks, Jacobs has had 25 carries. He had 27 carries for 116 yards. It's the only time this year that he hit. He hadn't hit back-to-back carries of 25 yards all year long, and now he's done it in the two games here. Um, They get Adams involved, six receptions for 86 yards. So they're just leaning on their playmakers. They're trying to simplify things. If they can come into this game, not make a bunch of mistakes like they've done the last few weeks, simplify lean on like your playmakers. I think they can absolutely get a backdoor garbage time score to cover this game. Um, Yeah. At at like double digits or above, I was on this because I just think Miami is a little bit overvalued always with that offense and their defense is nothing fantastic. Uh, You can beat them. It's kind of a flat spot for them, even coming off a bye against the Raiders team that you're maybe not going to get up for all that much. I locked in the Raiders, Eric, at plus the 13 and a half. Yeah, I didn't know what to do here. I just kind of really want no part in this game. I look at it like, um, A, I'll give Pierce credit. I guess the, the story I read today was Pierce kind of brought Jacobs into his offense and they just kind of went through all the um, all the fronts and everything and said, okay, when they're in this front and we're lined up like this, what do you like to do? You know, kind of getting his perspective where he's more, more comfortable. Absolutely. Um, the same thing great. With Adam, and that just kind of like 
when you do that, even if you don't listen to the player, like it kind of like lets the player know you kind There's of a trust listening and everything like that. Um, flip side, Raiders just, you know, they just had two huge victories at home. You're traveling and they got down up for them. I know. You're traveling down to Miami. You have Kansas City on deck. And the Raiders um, are bad in these spots where they go east, right? Like they've yeah, always got their that going to work? You know, flip side, the um, how what's Crosby going to look like against this offensive line? Armstead is back, but Jones, Win, Hunt, all hurt. You know what I mean? Like how is how is that going to look? Like is he going to be able to wreak havoc? Because like when you think about it like this, you have a team in the um. Raiders that has Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, and Crosby. They're always going to be alive in a lot of these games just because you have these three guys. Um, do the Raiders have the speed? H is fast as hell. Tyreek yeah. is fast as hell. Yeah. Do they have the need to kind of keep up with this? Um, I'm just gonna sit back. I'm gonna I'm gonna pass on this one. Stay away for Eric in the Raiders and the Dolphins. Next up, it's the Giants at the Commanders. The Commanders are a nine-point favorite in this game. Last week, Washington got outplayed by Seattle. They couldn't really run the ball, only 68 yards rushing. They only had 14 rushing attempts, but they tied the game late, and Howell has been really solid. Like He finished 29-44 this year, uh, last week for 312 yards, three touchdowns, including two fourth-quarter touchdowns. He, he has really impressive looking throws every week for him. It's just limiting the mistakes, limiting the sacks, not running into as many sacks, but he is a competent quarterback. He's leading the league in passing yards. Uh, their defense is just really bad. That That is what concerns me about this big of a number, Eric. They're number 30 in defensive DVOA. They're number 31 against the pass. They're better against the run. They're number 10 against the run, but they have been torched a few times this year. They traded away their two best defensive players. Brian Robinson Jr. had a really nice game last week. He had six catches for 119 yards. He had a long of 51. Uh, he also had eight carries for 38 yards. Man, can we can we get in on Tommy DeVito here? Is, or is this going to be Matt Bark? Like, if this was Matt Barkley, dude, I am all in. I'm all in. If I knew this was Barkley and not DeVito... You give me nine, I'm all in. I I have not seen this guy do anything, Eric. Anything. I thought he looked better last week when he started to use his legs. And, and that's, the, that's the key. Del Rio's defenses have struggled against the mobile quarterback. You know, this is another one of these this, divisional dogs. This is way out. too big of a number, right? This just feels way too huge for Washington. I actually gave this one out Tuesday night on my show. I locked in the Giants plus 10. Um, road division. Would, would you take this game. low, like what we're looking at now? Yeah, what, what would be your buy-in point? Anything yeah, I, I agree. I agree completely. Um, last five seasons, divisional road dogs, fifty-six percent ATS, seven or higher, up to sixty percent. These teams played in Week Seven, and the Commanders were a three-point favorite on the road. Now you're telling me they're laying six more points per DRF at nine. There is no world that should be that much. That's just a no complete no over-adjustment. We talk about buying low, selling high. Teams that lost by 30 points or more the previous week and our dogs the, the following week, which, which the Giants are, 60.1% ATS since 2005. We mentioned Rivera as a dog before, but as a favorite 
Got to remember, he's a coach we look to fade. 42% ATS is a favorite of three or half or more in his coaching career since 2005. As the commander's coach, when he's a favorite, that dips down to 28.6. You mentioned Howell. He's the league in, um, in uh, passing yards. But he does struggle with pressure. I think that Martin that's what the Giants can do. Yep. Who's the DC of the Giants is coaching for his job. With that being said, I think he's going to bring a ton of pressure. I think he's going to look to get after Howell. Giants O-line has been an issue, but without Sweat and Young, are the commanders going to create pressure? Are they going to be able to create pressure? I feel you could run on the commanders. We saw against the Patriots. Patriots had over five and a half yards per rush against the commanders. The Seahawks ran for 4.62 yards. I think the Giants are going to lean on Barkley a lot. Plus, I like to fade teams after their defense was on the field for 70 plays or more. Commanders were on the field for 74. Commanders also have that Thanksgiving Day matchup against the Cowboys next week. I think it's a good situational fade for for them. And in my eyes, there is no world that Sam Howell should be laying nine points. And I don't ever more than a touchdown, ever more than a touchdown. I have you. You have to fade him here. Yeah, absolutely, you, no doubt yeah. about it. Hundred percent. It just and there's you, nothing. There's nothing positive coming out about the Giants recently, and they're at the lowest value they possibly could have. Honestly, you know what? I I think it is too. You were talking about like the Giants and their offensive line. The two like worst matchups for them in the entire league are the Cowboys and the Eagles. Right? Like they're divisional yeah. rivals. I think they're zero and seven against them. In the last two years, they just, they're not going to beat those teams. They don't have the makeup to beat them. And so coming off of those games, they're always going to feel a little bit undervalued. They're always going to have looked worse after just having their gotten their asses kicked by the Cowboys, right? This team was feisty with the Bills a few weeks back. That Even two weeks ago, it was an ugly, ugly game against the Jets, but they're in that game. It was It's just something about those divisional rivals that are like their big brothers that they just beat the crap out of them. You know, and then coming off those games, they just feel worse. We're both on the giant side here, plus the nine. Uh, Eric got it at plus the 10. I'm fine with plus the nine. We go Steelers at the Browns. So we find out today, as you and I are recording this on Wednesday, that Deshaun Watson is out now for the year with a sh- shoulder just injury. Look, man, and you just kind of look back, and they're always like, what ifs to me. That Raiders team, when um, Derek you know, Carr. One Khalil Mack. They had Latavius Murray in his prime. They had Amari Cooper, Michael Crabtree, and then Carr breaks his leg. I really he was feel like playing was, like an MVP that year. He was. I really feel like that that team probably would have won it. And if that team wins it, how is Carr looked at differently? Del Rio probably doesn't get run out of town. They're well coached, um, right? That was when he was making all those cool like go for it decisions, and they were winning. He was very Dan Campbell like that year, right? He kind of yeah. felt that way. And I kind of just feel that. That's the team, you know, with the Browns. When you just kind of, you know, I, I made this point in my stream a couple year, couple weeks ago. Um, there was a point where they were six and three. I believe that was sort of their record. They're three games over 500. They were without Jack Conklin, their best offensive lineman, without Nick Chubb, their best offensive player, with their third string quarterback, PJ Walker, and were second worst turnover differential in the NFL in their three and games. And they're still over winning 11. games. It's just absolutely mind-boggling what is going on here. 
look, in terms of this game, I hate to count my own show, but if you watched my show on Tuesday night, I gave out the Steelers plus the four. Um, I got that when it first opened up. At this point right now, I think the best thing you can do is kind of just kind of stay away because stay you away. really don't I agree. know emotionally what the you're going to get from Cleveland. What, what it's going to be DTR. And it's going to be DTR who looked horrendous last time he was out. Flip side with the Steelers, there's this website and I'm spacing on it. It it posts the luck metrics where they post like what team is lucky. Oh, it's got to be by far. It's always the Steelers. Steelers have yet to outgain a team in total yards. In nine games. In nine games. And look, they're winning games. It is absolutely effing mind-boggling how they're able to win these games. They, and then... um, so Miles just to Garrett, kind of hit on, hit on a couple things I that you're saying out. right there, because you're, you're talking about the close games real quick before you move on to Miles. Yeah. Tomlin, 48-22-2 and two in one-score games over the past seven seasons. That but, is unbelievable. And, and then this year, all of their wins have come by seven points or less. All of their losses have been by at least 10, and two of them have been by 20. If they're in the game, they figure things out. They find ways. They've been running the ball a little bit better, too, the last few weeks, right? Yep. They have been running the ball a lot better. A lot better. Um, leaning on, um, you know, Harris and everything. Uh, and Miles Garrett, my point with Garrett is this. Look, you got to take him 200 to 1, 150 to 1 to be MVP. I know there hasn't been an MVP in the league since 1986 from the defensive side of the ball, but um, you got to do it. And just the narrative the is there now. If they do make the playoffs, it's because of him. Absolutely. Um, my worry with the Ste- with the Browns is the Steelers have three capable pass rushers, and the Browns are going to be without Wirfs and Conklin, two of their top three offensive linemen. Look, I'm at this current number. I don't need to rattle on and on about this game, but I. But would you pass. got a great number. I yeah, will, you got the great. I would take a future though on Garrett to win MVP just because there is a path now if somehow they mess around and make the playoffs. It was their 19th win without scoring 25 points in a game for the Steelers last week. In the last three seasons, they've had 19 wins when they haven't even hit 25 points. That is tied for the most in any three-year span over the last 25 years. So they just, they figure it out. I feel like in this game, it's it, it is it's not only that it, they figure it out, but like, for example, you know, this game, like, they come into this game three days ago. They're a four-point favorite, and we're coming off of Deshaun Watson going 14 for 14 in the second half and looking the best that he's looked in any half of football that he's played for the Browns, and now they don't have to play him, right? Sometimes you get lucky, too. Sometimes you're good. Sometimes you're lucky. Sometimes it, it's both. But even right here, like even if the Steelers don't cover and lose this game, you absolutely love where you are right now holding a plus four against DTR versus holding the plus four against Watson, you yeah. know? So you couldn't ask it's to be in a better spot. Cleveland, like we were all over these Cleveland futures and it's just, we were. So, it's a it's bummer. So bitter sweet that this is it. So Cleveland Houston, we were all over too. They're a team that's playing really, really well. And um, we continue along on our NFL week 11 game previews. Where do we head next? Titans at the Jags. So offense really struggled for Tennessee uh, last week against Tampa. And the Texans uh, against Tampa, 
the Texans, and Stroud had the rookie passing record. This week, the Titans couldn't do anything against Tampa. So that just kind of using that as a gauge, it was a little concerning. They only had 209 total yards, 11 drives, 3.5 yards per play. They only had 14 total first downs in the game. Levis was blitzed on 57% of his dropbacks. He was actually okay under pressure. Like he didn't make a lot of mistakes, but the guy had no shot. He had absolutely no shot with how bad that offensive line played last week against Tampa. And Jacksonville's not been that type of offensive line. Like they've not been, they'll make some plays here and there, but they're not putting as much pressure on and sacking the quarterback nearly as much. Um, Man, that Jacksonville game was so disappointing for Jacksonville fans. That was like just on all facets, you got destroyed. And this was a team that I think looks way better than their record would suggest, Eric, you know, at this point of the year. Real quick, I want to compare two guys, and I want you to tell me which one you'd rather have. Or Okay, so quarterback one, 43 games. Quarterback two, 41 games. Quarterback one, 64% completion percentage. Quarterback two, 66.2 completion percentage. Quarterback one, 9,874 yards. Quarterback two, 8,824 yards. They both have 46 TDs. Um, INTs, uh, quarterback one, 31. Quarterback two, 34. Um, And they... Like their records are basically the same. Which quarterback? I mean, would you agree that these quarterbacks are basically the same? Almost the same. One of them has got a few less yards, a few more interceptions, but they're almost identical. Like he's played, he's he's played played a few games, but he but he does have three more INTs. But they're both almost identical. Quarterback one is Trevor Lawrence. Guess who quarterback two is? Hmm. Uh, I don't know. You tell me, Eric. Mac Jones. Wow. Look at that. So Mac Jones and Trevor Lawrence are basically the same. And my point of this is perception is key. Right now, everyone's talking how Mac Jones shouldn't have a job, how Mac Jones needs to be benched. What about Trevor Lawrence? He came into this league as the quote unquote golden boy. And I don't, I feel he's failed to live up to it. Maybe he's not, let me say, he's not a bust. He's definitely not a, a like the guy that everybody thought he was going to be. He oh, and no. I don't think right. and, and I don't think he's ever me. I don't think he's ever going to be and and I may get proven wrong. I don't think he's ever going to be a top five quarterback. Yeah, and but he was coming in that was As, the and, Andrew Luck. And Andrew Luck, a guaranteed and, guy. He's a can't miss prospect. Peyton Manning, you know that that's what he was told. We were told he was going to be, and he's not been. And he's not. In this NFL, where in my eyes, it's Jesus Christ, it is completely wide open. And because of him, I don't think you're going to be able to do it. I don't think you're going to be able to get it done. Um, I, In this game, look, I took the Titans here plus the seven. Another bet, I'm going back to my roots. Vrabel as a dog. Popped at seven. It was at six and a half. I see it's at seven at DRF. Uh, Vrabel as a dog, 58.7%. Anything um, when he's getting three or more, he's 65.7% ATS. AFC South as a dog, 62.5% ATS. Flip side, Peterson as a 
Hope favorite, 41.7% ATS. We mentioned Lawrence, 41% ATS is a favorite. As a home favorite, he is 14.3%. And then, obviously, these road divisional dogs that I've mentioned numerous times, I won't repeat the numbers, they fell in that truck. Um, The Jags have issues. They have mad issues on the offensive line. Simmons and company is going to be able to get to Lawrence, and we're starting to see it this year. Etienne's starting to wear out. Etienne's yep. starting to get a little, I don't want to use the term, I'll use the term, worn out. He's just yeah. taking wears and tears, and his Too production is going down. And when you have that, you can't, you know what I mean? When you can't run the ball, and they are a good running defense, that's going to make more pressure for Lawrence to throw the ball. I do the DB wide receiver matchups for my little fantasy stuff. Calvin Ridley has an absolute phenomenal matchup, but for whatever reason, Lawrence doesn't. They can't get in the ball. They can't. And you know know what? And I'm going to give. I I don't. And I think I've been really disappointed in Lawrence this year in particular. I'm. I'm going to put them all together. What I don't like, and I was reading about it too. Press Taylor, offensive coordinator, who's now calling plays. He's not very good at calling plays, honestly. Um, it, like the opposite of what we were just talking about with Pierce, a guy who brings Jacobs into his office. Like you look at Pre- uh, Press Taylor. He was involved in calling plays in Peterson's final season with the Eagles when they weren't good, when he got fired. And they're averaging this year one yard less per rush than they did last year. Their explosive rush rate is cut in half. Last year, it was 9.8%. This year, it's 5.5%. Just like what you're hitting on, I think they're using Etienne up the middle too much and not in other ways. So they're not getting explosive runs because he's getting worn down. He doesn't have the legs for the explosions, you know, on the like he did before. They The third down conversion rate, they're down seven percentage points from last year. Fourth down conversion rate, they're down 19 percentage points. Red zone efficiency, down. Goal line efficiency, down. They can't get Ridley involved in the game. And it seems like everything they're doing is all quick, short. I was reading an article that said when the Jags started the year that way, it made sense because they came into the season with, right, Cam Robinson was out. They had a bunch of offensive line concerns and issues. And so it looked like they're doing a lot of short stuff because of those offensive line issues. But they haven't built on that at all this year. They don't go down the field at all. Only 7.4% of their routes go fur- go further than 20 yards down the field. That is last by a large amount. They're not taking... You've got a, a franchise, like, generational quarterback, and you're not even trying to take shots? Yeah, it's just it, it doesn't. It's a combination of like, he's not been good. I'm not acting like he's good. I'm not even trying to defend Trevor Lawrence. I just don't think Press Taylor is good at calling plays either. Like, I yeah. think you got a bad offensive coordinator on top of a guy who probably got some bad fundamentals built in from Urban Meyer in some of those first few years, you know? And now it's like, we keep waiting for him to take the next step and he's not doing it. I- I'm on the same side with you here. I'm definitely on the Titan side in a variable spot where I do think Levis has actually been competent. And the last couple of weeks have, he's been a little bit better than his stats would suggest. I kind of like the way that he's fought. I think he's like eighth in the league in hits taken so far this year in three games. 
Like that's not going to sustain. He can't get hit that much, but he's a tough guy. He's a little better than I thought he would be. Levis, as we move on, Eric, to the Bucks at the 49ers. Tampa had four straight losses. They came back and finally got a victory. They actually still have a chance in the division now. Baker struggled early in the game, but he did finish 18 of 29 for 278 yards, two touchdowns, and he was able to get Evans involved again. Six catches for 143 yards and a touchdown. There was one stretch where it was ugly, where Baker missed Evans, and then Evans dropped a pass that should have been a touchdown from Baker, like right like next to each other. But then following that, they got they got back on on track and they actually made a couple nice plays and were able to win that game. 49ers have a big bounce back. They dominated the game, 7.3 yards per play. We just talked about the Jags, and the, the Jags just looked awful. That was one of the most embarrassing games this year, I think, from any team. Um, the 49ers are healthy now. A couple new acquisitions on the defensive side. Chase Young uh, had a couple pressures. And as a team, they had five sacks and they wreaked havoc all over. Purdy played really, really well. Shout out. I've been watching a lot of uh, 101 Dalmatians recently. I never realized uh, Milo's big into that one. He calls it 10 dogs. <laughs> I'm always like, there's another there's another zero there. It's 100. But uh, the, the girl dog is named Purdy. Pongo and Purdy. I was like, I heard that. I was like, oh, hey, Brock. Brock Purdy. So Purdy comes off of a really nice game. And... He, all of his passing touchdowns, all three of them were 10 plus air yards down the field. The 49ers, man, Shanahan's a good coach and he scripts things well for them, Eric. They have six consecutive games with an opening drive touchdown. That's the longest streak in the NFL. It's nice when you're up seven, nothing, you know, like right off the bat, knowing you get a touchdown on your opening drive. What do you do in this game here where the 49ers are now an 11 and a half point favorite? Oh, real quick. Um, I forgot to mention something about Tennessee. Please do. Please do. Um, with the defense that the Jags run, they run a pass funnel type defense. Um, what does that do? They're really stout against the run and it kind of funnels everything to the middle. That's going to allow Will Levis to get rhythm. And when you have someone like Will Levis get rhythm, it's just going to do nothing but build his, build his confidence. And the one thing that Levis does that, I mean, Stroud doesn't really do it that much. He does it now and then, but he doesn't do it as much as we've seen Levis do it. Um, Young doesn't do it at all. Richardson in his limited time really didn't do it. And it goes back to the three-point concept in basketball. He takes deep shots. Tom Brady was really good at this back in the day. And it's just something to keep the defense honest. You Absolutely. Know what I mean? You're able to take those deep shots. And even if you overthrow them by 25 yards, the safeties can't cheat. And that's you get really a pass interference every now and then too, right? Like yeah, you get the good things happen. So I really think like Levis doing that is going to open some stuff up. I forgot to mention that. I mean, obviously I'm going to tell you. I agree with you. Of the, um, the 49ers game. Look, 49ers are the Seahawks on deck. Big Thanksgiving Day game. That game, you know, with could one team will kind of have the one up in terms of the division race. So is it a look at it spot? Flip side, this Bucks team for me is one of the hardest teams in the league to, to get catch. a feel for. Yeah, you me too. Really don't know what they're going to do. They're supposed to have Vitae. They're supposed to be great against the run, but teams have been able to run on them. Their defense looks old, old as hell. And then and and then it's it's just inconsistent too. Like some weeks the offense plays well, and Baker will have some good games with Evans, 
And then other weeks, they can't do anything offensively. And the defense is, it's just, I completely agree with you. This has been one of the most difficult teams for me to get a gauge on all year long. Flip side, I was all in on Mike Evans. And Mike Evans looks. Oh, yeah, that's all. You hit that one. Beast. Do the 49ers have the people, have the players to That's where you can beat them because you can attack them in the secondary. Is. And I'm pissing. I'm I'm legitimately pissed at myself because I had the Jags circled last week, and with my note being, if no Trent Williams and no Debo, I am betting the Jags. But I ended up betting the Jags anyway. Like, and I'm kicking myself for doing that just because this 49ers team with what they want to do offensively, Debo is such a big key to it with the underneath Absolutely. stuff lineup in the backfield. Trent Williams, one of the best offensive linemen in the game, he can set the table. He can protect Purdy. Pretty look to get over his concussion. Flip side, I really don't trust Baker Mayfield. You know what I mean? Do you, like, like, it's hard for me to trust. The, this Baker is a bad Mayfield. like against a really really good team with a good defense. Like you can see him making mistakes. It is just so funny though at like how bad the level of quarterback play has been this year. That a guy like Baker, you know, like when we did, I think we did a, a, a exercise last year where we ranked the quarterbacks. And like we ranked yeah. Baker, you know, you and I, and we had him and I don't think we had him that far off. Right. I think it was like four or five spots off. I think I was like in the 12, 13 and you were like, like just below the half. Like and then this year, yeah. yeah. Like, like in that range. And that's sort of like the quarterback, the level of quarterback play has been so bad yes. that like, but he, he's someone in this spot. This is a tough, like I, I want to yeah. play the bucks with the number, but I just, I've got other games on the board. I like more. I'm going to stay away. Well, let me ask you this. Who would you rather have as your quarterback, Mayfield or Dobbs? Uh, I take Dobbs right now, and I and I like Baker. Like, and I'm I'm high. On, I'm like I'm higher on Baker than a lot of people are. I think Dobbs, and I'm not like even saying this with like a small Dobbs sample size. I thought Dobbs was pretty feisty throughout a lot of the year. Like, and you and I talked about how there's film on him, and he does some of the same things. I think that's been like bad habits in being in bad spots like you're the cardinals starting quarterback where you don't have much and you're trying to make things happen i feel like the guy's smart enough to go out there and what we've seen from dobbs in a few weeks at least is hey go out there try not to make many mistakes and we'll put you in a spot to succeed and he's done that you know he's not making a lot of mistakes he's not forcing it a lot um i wonder with the browns though like right now you wonder where they where they are mentally you know with baker like would you, you did everything you did to get Watson in there and Watson never even really played like better than Baker Mayfield did. You know, he had like I one or two. That, that game against the Ravens last week, dude, he was, was awesome. For he was 14, I, mean, I think four, I think 14 for 14, honestly, in the oh, second half. He was, I mean, he was, if, that, if that was, if that's what he was going to get, you know I mean? Oh yeah. Like, like if, if that would have been the Watson moving forward. But what's funny is that, that like you asked this question because think about it. I would have said before the second half of that game last week, Baker and Dobbs had been better quarterbacks than Watson this year. And those guys were both in in Cleveland last year. You could have had both of them there and not have to pay 230 million, not have to deal with the PR and all of the stuff you gave up. And you could have had both of these guys in your quarterback room, but they didn't really know what Dobbs was. And and now, I mean, like, there's a, reason, there's a reason Dobbs has been with so many teams. I 100%. Mean, I yeah. Yeah. The they, is everyone's trying to make him into this thing, and it's a cool story and everything. The guy's still two and nine straight up. You know yeah, what I mean? It's not, he's not a monster. Yeah, and kind of like, this guy and, isn't like, 
Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes. It's a nice tale. It's a nice story. And he's had some phenomenal matchups. In terms of this game, you know, you mentioned the Bucks. Like, I'm hearing rumors that Trask may be coming in because they want to see what they have with Trask. Um, defensively, my big thing with them is their defense. These DBs have been lo- looking old. I mean, they were getting beat by Dalton Schultz. You know, yeah. the DBs are the Bucks. Noah Brown torched him. Yeah. If you have the 49ers in Survivor left over, because I feel this is going to be a tough week in Survivor, out of all the double-digit dogs there are this week, it's crazy as it sounds, this is the dog that I have the most confident. No, sorry, this is the favorite that I have the most confidence in winning. You know what I mean? In terms of yeah. getting when you look at the double-digit dogs that are double-digit and, favorites. And I, I think even just like narrative the fact that San Francisco had those three losses in a row, they got healthy, they're coming off the bye. Like, I do feel like they're going to take – I don't think they're going to take this as a light spot with San, with Seattle next week on deck because they the, had those three losses coming in. The you know only what I mean? thing would be is if they get up a quick like 21-7 to 7 and it's like then, late 100%. And then they like put people in because they want to like – they want to see stay it. healthy. That would, that would literally be the only thing that could happen, but I don't see this game being good. And, you know, pretty looks a lot better. That concussion was definitely wearing on him that last game. He looks, he looks a lot better. Um, yep. He needed the, yeah, the time the off winners in the um, survivors. Survivor, if you, have them, you know, let's go to the jets at the bills. Bills are seven point favorite in this game. Some of the Bills numbers and metrics are really funny because like they fire uh their offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey. They are third in DVOA offense, first in offensive success rate, third in EPA per play, fourth in QBR, third in yards per play, second in third down conversion percentage, and third in red zone efficiency. Uh and, and you wonder like if the Bills don't commit the penalty on special teams and the guy just misses the field goal, Dorsey's not fired. You know, like if they win that game last week, he's not fired. And I'll give Sam uh, from PFF a shout on this because he was pointing it out. He said, in just that sense, think about how crazy that is, that you're firing an offensive coordinator based on the result of what happened on a special teams play. Because but he doesn't get fired if you don't lose the game. And and now it's it's more than that, right? Like they they have not been the team that we wanted, but all those offensive stats, and even for Josh Allen, he has 11 interceptions, most in the NFL, 13 turnovers, most in the NFL. He actually has the lowest turnover-worthy play rate of his career. So it almost seems like there are some high-variance turnovers in a low sample size. I just thought that was crazy, like, the guy is top five with his offense in almost every metric, but they but, turn the ball over a lot. And it's there perception. Had, there has to be a scapegoat in Buffalo. Absolutely. Somebody had to, there had to be a change made. And there's, it's not going to be the defense because McDermott's basically running the defense. And you have to think about it. Anytime you lose Milano, Hyde, um, Elon, they lost another guy whose name I'm spacing. Who's the cornerback? Jones. Jones. Yeah. I mean, anytime you lose four guys, three guys are all pros. You're going to struggle. And their defense has been what is struggling. They need to blitz more, but for every reason, McDermott refuses to blitz. And that's what is costing them. Now, in terms now of you got to change to the personnel that yeah. you have, right? Eric, not the personnel that you had before. You can't be stubborn as a head coach with your scheme. 
you've got to you've got to scheme to the guys you have, and we're seeing it in Minnesota, right? They're undermanned on defense. They don't have a incredible defense, but Flores is just putting pressure on a bunch of quarterbacks that aren't that great, right? He's putting a lot of pressure back. Uh, he's putting pressure on not great quarterbacks and making them win, and they're not. And the Bills got to make some adjustments. They really do. And in terms of Dorsey, I always thought they're going to be running the ball more. I mentioned this when we did our previews, how they want Allen to rush less. They have Aaron Cromer there, and everyone's like, who's that? That's their offensive line coach. He was the one that came up with the zone blocking system in Los Angeles where your Rams had a phenomenal year, and Todd Gurley had those three years where he's just insane. They drafted James Cook, and I was like, oh, shit, they're going to do the same thing with James Cook. But for whatever reason, they're not doing that. We saw at the end of the game they were put in a position, got that touchdown, because why? They just ran the ball with James Cook. I don't understand why they aren't doing that more. They they um, promoted my boy Brady. I like Brady. I'm a big Brady guy. But the thing is, for this to work, McDermott needs to let Brady be Brady. He can't handcuff him. When Brady was at Carolina, Rule handcuffed him. He couldn't do the RPO he wanted. He couldn't take the deep shots. He couldn't use the tight end underneath. If you do the RPO here with Allen and Cook, this may take a little bit of time to get it all going but if you let brady run the offense he was running at lsu with the weapons the bills have this is going to be a dangerous team but is mcdermott going to let him do that we see this all the time the systems that work the best in the nfl they let their coordinators do it the offensive you know what i mean the coach doesn't have that biggest say he just yep. kind of lets his stuff lets his team do it and that's what mcdermott has to do on the flip side this is a quick turnaround. How is this going to look in such a quick turnaround? You have the Jets. Now, for the life of me, I think Brees Hall is an absolute stud. I think he is one of the best young running backs in all of the NFL and one of the best running backs in the NFL, period. Why the living hell aren't you giving him 20 touches a game, especially with Zach Wilson back there? Even if Aaron Rodgers is back there. You should be running the ball with Brees Hall Mar. I really don't understand that at all. Other side of that, Nate Hackett's calling the place. Nate Hackett is god awful, dude. Eric, really their last that. fifty-five possessions for the Jets, fifty-five possessions, they've scored two touchdowns in it is fifty-five. Just- and you know those those two touchdowns? One of them was when the Eagles laid down and let Brees Hall score. Remember, because at the end of the game, they wanted to get they like they let him get in so they could. And the other one was a 50 yard pass from Brees Hall in week eight against the Giants. That's the only two times they've scored offensive touchdowns the last 55 times they've had the ball. And the sad thing is, I think Zach Wilson's been playing better. He has. I really think that he has been playing a lot better. And I think it shows you two things it shows you how bad he was before right and how much he's improved just to get to this level and it shows you how bad the coaching and the scheme is to not put him or any of these players like he's not the worst quarterback that's playing right now he's not no there are other teams playing with worse quarterbacks he they have hall they had garrett wilson they've got weapons they are not in the worst situation but hackett is bad and they don't do anything creative whatsoever 
And but in terms of this game, I tell our friend Jim this all the time. The sports books are not our friends. I mean, this line just seems fishy as hell to me, man. This line seems ultra fishy to me. And because of that, I want nothing to do with this game. I'm not you touching this I mean? game either because the Jet well, the the Bills Way too much. Since the game against the Dolphins when the Bills beat the crap out of them, that was in week four. The Bills have lost straight up to the Jags. They barely covered and beat the Giants 14-9 in a game the Giants should have won. They lost straight up to New England. They barely beat Tampa on a Thursday night. They lost straight up to Cincinnati and lost straight up to Denver. They just have not been good. And they're getting more and more banged up. And the Jets beat them in week one. When Rodgers got hurt and the Jets played them very well last year and the Jets have always played Allen very well. I'm the staying Jets away from this. Is built to stop Josh Allen and the Bills. But on the flip side, it's just the sports books are not your friends, man. Like I talk to Jim about this all the time when we do our USFL and CFL show. This line just seems way too good to be true. Let's get to the Seahawks and the Rams. Rammies are a one-point dog at home here. Last we saw the Rams before their bye, Ripian was starting, and you just you can't use any of the film from that game. Like he is pretty bad, and they were not able to move the ball at all. They didn't drive inside of Green Bay's 30 one time. Not once. Um the, the defense actually tried really hard and they sacked love four times. A uh, couple turnovers in the game. Now you've got Geno Smith. He actually had a pretty nice game last week. He completed 31 passes, finished quarterback uh, graded number eight on the week. He led a game-winning drive going four of six, and one of those was a spike. So he was really four of five for 50 yards with one minute left to go in the game. It set up a, a game-winning field goal. And the offense moved the ball really well. They had 6.6 .6 yards per play. They had 489 total yards. But th they when the game slows down for them, when they play tougher opponents or in a spot like this, I don't know. I mean, I like the Rammies here a little bit. Um, Seattle had another slow start to the game. You mentioned for Seattle, their big game is next week, right? After this game with the Rams, they've got the 49ers on deck and the Rams will have Stafford back. They're coming off a bye. I feel like they're going to have a few things in the offense to get, Cup and Nakua more involved. Cup has had a bad couple of games. I think he's going to have a monster game here. I do coming off the bye. My thing is this, how I look at this game, you know, A, McVay, nine and four. Order. See the oh, score sorry. on top of your screen. It's like the first time you've done a podcast though. So no worries, my man. It's all good. I think you're still muted. So my fault about that. Um, McVay, nine and four ATS against Carol. That's the first thing that, that sticks out. A, do you trust Gito Smith? I don't know what the living hell, excuse my language, Seattle was doing, running the guy, sorry, throwing the ball so much with Gino Smith. And the one thing that kind of stood out to me is Smith Nujigma had four pass targets the first drive. The rest of the game, none. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're scripting yeah. to get him involved, you're forcing the pass, and then he just completely disappears. How healthy is Matt Stafford? What Matt Stafford are we going to see? I don't trust the Seahawks D at all. I think it'll be thrown on. Are Cooper Nakuka going to be able to get it going? Seahawks, obviously, a look ahead spot. Is Walker 
We've seen Walker's touches kind of decrease a little bit over the last couple of weeks. I don't really understand why is that. I think he's a little bit more explosive than uh, Cabernet. I think Donald's going to be able to get to Geno Smith, maybe throwing him some pressure throws. I also kind of like the Rams here as well. The thing that gets me, though, is I'm kicking myself. This line opened at three just because we didn't know what was going on yep. with the Rams at the quarterback position. It's down to one right now. I kind of missed the value on it. If you, if you like, were on I'll the be like, I've been, I have not been happy with what I've seen from McVay and the offensive play calling. I just don't. And, want to and I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I, he, he's a good coach, right? He, he is a good coach. I would definitely, I, I'm not saying I want him fire or anything like that, but I think oh, no, as I'm a Ram, yeah, no, no, no. But oh. like as a Rams fan oh, for a few years now, this has been a thing. He's not aggressive. He's very weird with like the run pass stuff. I think he's a creative play designer. He designs good plays. And then what, like w- during the flow of the game, he does like, he's a good players coach. Guys want to play for him. He's a really likable guy. <laughs> there are like three or four things that he does not do well. And I-, I completely agree with you. You watch him on offense. I think you expect him to be like a more fluid offensive play caller and God, I get frustrated a lot of times with like something is working and then he'll go away from it, you know, and sometimes he'll really try to get too cute with the run and like hammer the run home where it's like, just use the short pass game right now. That's what's working. That's what they I did with, with Brady in New England that. so many times. Zach Evans. Right? No, I don't understand why they're not using Zach Evans more. I think, you know, you bring Henderson off the scrap heap, off the couch to kind of play. I just, I just don't understand his thought process when calling plays. Um, yeah, in terms of this game, look, I will maybe um, look to Cooper in DFS. I think he'll be a little bit underused just because he has disappointed his last couple of games. And the Seattle's pass defense can be exploited. So I would look there. That would be it in this one. Let's get to the two night games for this week, Eric. We've got first Sunday night football, the Vikings at the Broncos. How about the Vikings? Josh Dobbs, you hear the nickname for him? What they're calling him? Uh, rocket the, scientist, the pastronaut. Oh, right. you like that one? That's a, I. I did chuckle at that one. I thought that was good. I don't know whoever came up with it, but I mean, that's a good. That's a good one. The pastronaut is is pretty good. Um, and you know what? This is cool for Josh Dobbs. He's having a moment, and a lot of players never have a moment like this where they're like the talk of the town for a few weeks. Everybody's talking positively about him. And I do want to give their coaching staff credit. They've changed, just like we talked about what some teams aren't doing, this offense is running completely different plays than they were running when they had Kirk Cousins, right? They have a few packages and different things that they're setting up for Dobbs because he's more mobile. He can do things more with his legs than Cousins could. They scored 21 points in the second quarter of that game. They took a big lead. It was 27-3. They scored points on five of their first seven possessions, did the Vikings, then they got a little stagnant when they were up. They had three straight three and outs in that game. And Flores, man, uh, he's just done a really good job with this defense. They're ranked number eight in defensive DVOA. They're nine against the pass. They're 12 against the run. They bring pressure. They had 12 uh, defenders have at least one pressure in this game. They forced five three and outs. They held the Saints to 280 total yards and just four of 14 on third down. And they now have the longest active win streak in the league at five games. All five of those wins came without their best player. 
Justin Jefferson, and three of them have been without their starting quarterback. And I do think they're becoming a little overvalued now. They went from being undervalued to now overvalued. But when you just look at their schedule, they got the Broncos, the Bears, then a bye. Then they got the Raiders and two games left against the Lions. And they're securely in a playoff spot right now. So they have really flipped their season in just the last four or five weeks on what we were thinking about the Vikings. Now, all that being said, let's talk about this spot here against the Broncos because Eric, the Broncos are kind of quietly playing pretty well. You know, the Broncos are, uh, they beat the Chiefs and Bills as seven plus point underdogs in the last two games. Russell Wilson has more wins as a touchdown underdog in his last two starts than he did in his first 196 starts. He'd only had one game in his whole career where he was a seven point underdog and one straight up. And that's happened two times now in the last two weeks for them. And the Broncos defense has been playing a lot better as the season's gone on. Not like that defense that gave up 70 earlier in the year. I I can't get a, like a feel for which way to go here in this game though. Eric, talk to us about if you have an opinion. For me, it's, it's definitely the Broncos. I'm actually fading, fading Dobbs, fading the Dobbs. I'm actually, honestly, I know it's kind of crazy. I'm actually thinking about Broncos to make the playoffs. Wait, future wagers and stuff like that. Broncos survivor. Just because I'm at the point right now where I have to get a little weird with it. Absolutely. Um, Especially I'm still trucking somehow in Circa and you have the Thanksgiving day. So I can't use the Lions. And I can't use the Cowboys this week. So I have to get a little bit creative with what I want to do. I think it's the perfect point to be selling the Vikings. Look, I know everyone wants to make Dobbs into something. And is it a great story? Yes. But there's a reason this guy, this is his fifth team in a short amount of time in the league. You know, he um, he's only two and nine straight up as a starter. Broncos have been looking better. After allowing 70 points to the Dolphins, this defense is allowing 21 points per game. Last three, they're allowing 16 points per game. You got to give credit where credit is due to Sean Payne. He's made Russell Wilson look a lot better. Russell Absolutely. Wilson looks a little different. He looks nowhere near what he was in Seattle, but he but looks nowhere a lot near what he was last year. And the key to this turnaround has been what? You are giving in the fifth round, you should be all three excited going to close the season because he's going to be getting 15 to 20 touches per game. I think you're going to be able to run on this Vikings defense. I expect a heavy Javante Williams game. You can throw on him as well. I think Cortland Sutton, who's also having a good season, is going to be in line for a good, good one. My only worry is this. Hawkinson is a stud, and Dobbs has a history of targeting tight ends, and the Broncos do struggle defending the tight end. Um, that would be my one worry here. I definitely look at Hawkinson props, and I took it minus one and a half. I let, I love the Broncos here, minus one and a half. Anything under three, I just think they're peaking and hitting the market at the right time. And you so, want to talk schedules, look at their schedule. They could seriously make a playoff push as well. Absolutely. Let's get to our final game, Monday Night Football. We've got the game of the week with your Super Bowl rematch, right? Your Eagles and the uh, and the Chiefs here so for the chiefs defense is carrying them you know the the chiefs it's the fifth game out of nine where they've scored 21 points or less this year they're fourth in yards allowed per game second in passing yards allowed per game second in points allowed per game some of those might be a little off because that was when the chiefs 
want come off of last week's off their bye. But they held Miami to just 292 total yards in this game, only 62 yards receiving for Hill. Kansas City has a legitimately elite defense. Offensively, though, um, no, they not that great. They threw for 185 yards and two scores in the first half, but in the second half, only 46 yards. Um, now, they got up early, opening drive, five different receivers caught a ball. Nine different receivers caught a ball throughout the game. After scoring their second touchdown to be up 14, Dolphins are driving and they fumble on a short pass to Hill. So instead of the Dolphins driving to cut it to like 14 to seven or maybe 14 to three, um, they we end up, Eric, getting a situation where the play goes Kansas City's way and all of a sudden it's like a 14 point swing. Like Kansas City's up 21 nothing instead of being, you know, 14 seven in that game. Um, with them, with with the Chiefs after Kelsey, still feels it's like it's a lot of unproven players. Like that, they they got to get involved. I know we've seen Rice a little bit more, and some guys have different spots here and there. For the Eagles, they've not been perfect themselves, but they've looked. You know, they continue to win games. Pass defense is a problem. They allowed 375 yards and 8.5 yards per attempt, but the pass rush had four sacks last time we saw them against the Cowboys. They haven't been their best which you sort of wonder, like, are they going to get better and do they still have better games to play? Or is this who they are, not quite as dominant of a team as they were last year? Uh, they, they're they 23-3 and three in their last 26 games. Like, how do you just knock the fact that they keep winning and winning? Uh, they were up 28-7 against the Cowboys, but then they had three straight three and outs in the fourth quarter, and they gave the Cowboys an opportunity to steal that game. They only had 292 total yards and they allowed 406 total yards. Um, number their weaknesses though, number 27 defending the pass in DVOA, number 20 in defensive dropbacks EPA defensively. So they do have struggles defending the pass here. You think the Chiefs can uh, exploit that? Talk to us about the really nice Monday night football game this week. So who leads the Chiefs? In red zone targets. I mean, got it, Kelsey, right? Rashid Rice. Wow. Wow. Uh, um, which team gives up the most receiving yards per game, the most receptions per game to the slot wide receiver? I'd say the Eagles. Which player from the Chiefs runs most of his routes out of the slot? I'd say Rice. Rasheed Rice time. Yep, we're going to be looking at Rasheed Rice props in this game. You can really attack the Eagles over the middle of the field in the slot. So I really like Rasheed Rice. I'm really going to be looking to attack his props. In this game, it's kind of weird. Like, you're going to hear all these Mahomes things. And I Mahomes, three-point favorite or less than the three-point favorite or less. 72. 72.7% ATS. I kind of feel like with the Eagles – physicality with them running the ball with how Sirianni is going to look to go for two. He's going to look to be more aggressive and go for it that you want to be on the Eagle side just because of the variance that he's going to bring to the table with his play calling. Also, you have Andy Reid, who is absolutely phenomenal coming off of the bye. And then you have the Chiefs who are 20th DVOA against the run. I think the Eagles are going to be able to, to 
run the ball on them. Eagles pass rush, I think, is going to be able to get home. I'm just going to sit out here. I'm going to wait to see if I can get a three and a half, but I'll eventually be on the Eagles. I agree with you. I'm on the Eagles side here as well, but I'm going to wait, wait, wait. If we can't get it before the game, maybe we wait. And if the Chiefs score first, then we can jump on it um, and get even a little more value in game. I just, I, these two teams, I do think that the, like you said, the Eagles are the more, I think the, the well-balanced team overall. Um, if I'm going to exploit Kansas City, it might be in a few spots there. Like this might be a game where you maybe even look to some of Mahomes' props because his props are a little bit down this year because he hasn't been quite as, um, you know, we're saying he's not leading the league in passing like normal and he's not quite as prolific on offense. So I like the Rice props that you pointed out to attack the weakness of the Eagles secondary. And then overall in this game, I would look to lean Eagles if we can get the three here. So previews for week 11 in the books. Don't forget, folks, DRF Sportsbook. Fast 300 is our promo code there. If you want to go play along and look for a really good fantasy website where you can parlay props, make sure to go to parlayplay.io. We'll give you the details right there. When you use the promo code NFL betting blitz, you'll get a match deposit bonus. Uh, So make sure you do so using that promo code. Eric, you and I will be back on Friday. 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern time for DRF Sportsbook, the winning ticket. We'll talk some college games for the weekend and then our best bets for NFL. You have your podcast that will be coming out on Friday, right? And then uh, some college football stuff in the morning on Saturday with uh, with Jim and Chase? Correct. Yep. Um, my podcast will come out sometime Friday. Always a little question mark where I get everything done. And uh, 9.30 Eastern time in the morning on Saturday. Sunday. Come hang out with us for NFL Betting Blitz, 11 a.m. Eastern time. We'll get you all set up for Sunday games and for Monday. Thanks so much, buddy. Appreciate your work as always. We'll be following you at ETOF21 on Twitter, at ETOF21Sports, other places. And uh, good luck with all your plays this week. Let's make some money, my friend. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, folks. If you're watching the video on social media, we are finishing up. If you're listening on the podcast, there's a lot more to come. So stay tuned here for plenty more. That's what G said. Thank you to Eric for helping us out with the Week 11 game previews. We move on to Loki. Deep dive of Loki Season 2, Episodes 4, 5, and 6. So, spoiler alert, Tim Kelly joins me to talk about everything from Loki, everything from the Marvel MCU, from the uh, the Marvel Universe. We don't get into anything from the Marvels yet because we had not seen it at the point when we had recorded it, but we will be recapping and deep diving that movie coming up in the next probably week, week and a half or so. Tim Kelly joins me to discuss a show that is one of our favorite MCU pieces of content. This was fantastic, folks. Loki is amazing. You really want to check it out. Here we go. Deep dive of Loki, episodes four, five, and six. It's time to put a bow on Loki season two. Tim Kelly joins to discuss episodes four, five, and six. So spoiler alert, we're going to get into everything that happened in Loki, both seasons one and two. We'll talk all about Loki and his uh, adventure through the MCU and the the Marvel universe. And Tim, I've got to say this TV show was not perfect. It's not, I'm not going to say that every Mm. single thing was, was exactly spot on, but if, if every, Honestly, a Marvel project, any honestly, if any other show or movie that I watched, 
could do mm-hmm. just the basic things that this show did, I would enjoy almost all of them. Oh, yeah. It just it checks a couple of the boxes that I really want. It makes me feel things. We had an incredible story arc for a character that we've been mm-hmm. a, a with for a long time. It's yeah, acted well. Years. It's written well. Yeah. And it it makes you both want to laugh naturally, not in the forced way that we can kind of critique Marvel and some of the other comic book movies where they'll kind of force some humor. But it also makes you want to cry at the end. It it was a yeah. beautiful story for Loki. And I I was very happy. And as a fan, it was one of those this this series was kind of like a big moment, I think, for the MCU because some of the recent projects haven't been the most well received. This was just, I think, another one of those times where they kind of patted me on the back and said, "Look, we can still do this. We can still do this." And uh, I, I really, really enjoyed the, in particular, the last episode of this season. I loved it too. And real quick before we move on, uh, you're you're kind of dropping out. Uh, Okay. Pretty often on my okay. end. I don't know okay, if that's cool. something that's happening on like with your mic or if it's our connection. Thank you. I'm gonna keep, um, I'll keep going to... a little. I'll keep going a little more. If, and if you let me know if it's uh, if it's still bad, and I'll uh, and I'll maybe make a, a connection switch. But I yeah. I, I felt TK. I, I mean, overall, I don't have as many critiques about some of the little things based on the way it all ends. I think, you know, as like if the journey's yeah. not perfect getting there, but at the end it really hits home. Um it, it was good, man. And and it was this has been a common concern with the MCU. They have not finished strong in a lot of shows and, and movies. No, and they absolutely uh stuck the landing on this one because uh I think retroactively it made the whole journey uh of Loki so much I think uh this did wonders for, you know, this series, which I was mixed on at times, uh, but overall thought that, you know, it had a lot of really great strengths. The production design is incredible. The performances are incredible. Um, everything across the board is like really well done. But there were there were things that just didn't seem fully fleshed out or maybe didn't quite make sense. This ending, though, it had such an emotional payoff and it was visually so interesting and thematically and conceptually so interesting and new something that we hadn't seen before that it just it, it was really rewarding to watch as a viewer it, again it felt like a big deal it felt important but also personal which is difficult it just did a lot of the dancing really well for things that we hope for in these marvel and mcu movies and and we can ask some questions now. What will happen? Will we see Loki again? Or if not, what a perfect way to kind of come full circle for this character who is no longer a villain. He made the ultimate sacrifice yeah. giving of himself. Absolutely. And there's a great dramatic irony to the way it, it all ends, too, because, you know, he's introduced as this person who the, the, the thing he wants most is the throne. Uh, and he feels like he's been burned by not having an opportunity to have this this birthright of his. Uh, and by the end of this series, you know, the last thing he wants is a throne. He says it as he says as much in the actual series. Uh, but his sacrifice ultimately is to take this throne at the end of the series uh, where he's going to be all alone, too. So he has to actually um, he finds out along his journey that, you know, the thing he's most afraid of is that he's uh, going to be alone. Uh, so he has to kind of, uh, you know, 
sacrifice that and, and be alone in order to get the thing that he always wanted, which he doesn't want anymore. So it's this great um, twist of the, you know, the the purpose, the glorious purpose is this burden in the end. Uh, but it's a beautiful turn for him because, you know, he's come full circle and uh, he's realized that purpose uh, and he's made a beautiful sacrifice for everyone, not just his friends. There was a, a quote in the timelines all throughout the, the, the multiverse. You know, there was a quote in the last uh, episode, episode six, and I, I had to like stop the ep- I had to stop and pause for a little while because I just got lost thinking about this for a while when when Loki goes back in time to talk with Mobius and it, it's their interaction in season one, like right when when he gets brought into the TVA and Mobius says to him, most purpose is more burden than glory. Yeah, and, and I just thought Very about cool. that like being a parent now, mm-hmm. and just like wow, it was like that quote just stuck with me. It just was like lingering, yeah. and when I'm watching something that's really well done or well written, that's what happens. There's like specific things yeah. that will really just stick with me, and like make me want to write them down with like all these little quotes I have, or just sort of think on it. And um, it, this uh, watching it back, you know, three times or so. It really made me think and feel And I'm excited to talk About some of the highlights of uh, Episode 4, 5, and 6 With you right now as we uh, Put another one in the books here Loki Season 2 So we picked up um, from episode 4 um, And like right when that episode opens We get to come in, TK With these like incredibly Vibrant visuals of the sacred timeline And like all yeah. these timelines branching You know, we've we will give, I think, critiques when it's necessary, but also praise when it's necessary. And the visuals of this mm-hmm. episode of this series, it it very rarely, and I can't even think of many specifics where it felt right. like low level or like they didn't yeah. give it a hundred percent of everything, mm-hmm. trying to make it feel like a real movie cinematic experience. Absolutely, and it felt more like that than some of their big tentpole movies. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at the Avengers movie, and in comparison to uh, this series as a whole, uh, the Avengers looks like TV in comparison to this. This has production value and production design artfully done in a way that not a lot of other MCU properties can compete with. I don't think maybe even any of them can compete with it on that level um it's got really inspired visuals and the visuals come from interesting concepts uh, that that we haven't seen before and they feel motivated by those concepts as opposed to just like hey this is a an energy so it has like a a color and it looks kind of like electricity like yeah that's that's cool but the, we've never seen anything like these branch timelines in the loom, and, and there's like an actual mechanism to it. Uh, the the way that it's turned on its side to a tree in the end, uh, with with what Loki ultimately does to to save everyone and all the and, and the whole multiverse and all the timelines, uh, that was absolutely inspired, and it's got its roots, uh, no pun intended with Norse mythology and uh, Yggdrasil. Uh, I'm sure I butchered the pronunciation of that. Uh, But uh, that's something that they had foreshadowed and touched on all the way back in in Thor 
with um him, him drawing uh Thor was drawing the uh the Yggdrasil and like the all the nine realms and how they go together uh and then there's something in Captain America too where there's an image of that so there's this interconnectivity of all the stories that you know that's one of the hallmarks of the MCU uh but they're using that to inform this this uh huge development on this show and 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 it's like where the show ultimately goes to so it's it's so great to see that it's just not something that they just decided on a whim they they mined what was already there for really rich material and then created something uh even better built on that so like the writing, the way everything w- was structured, and I know this is retroactive. Like they weren't planning on doing this all the way back in, you know, Captain America or or any of those films. But the writers of this series were able to take those ingredients and create something new here, where it all feels part of the whole. But built, built upon. Like it's, it's built. It's built upon it. Right. And it adds to the whole thing. It makes it makes those things even better uh, retroactively. So. Uh, yeah, this is a huge, huge win when Marvel really, really needed it. I think this is even bigger win than uh, G- Guardians of the Galaxy three, which was the best film they've done in a long time, but not a really a big win for Marvel. And that it's kind of a swan song for James Gunn. He's going over to work for the other team right now. Um, people are wondering what's next for the MCU. There's a major variety article that just came out about, you know, is the MCU in trouble dealing with a lot of the, the criticisms that we've talked about many times, have they been overextended? Um, do they have the wrong people in charge in some places? Uh, you know, have they tried to just do too much too too fast? Uh, and they're restructuring things. They're taking a look at it and they're going to take a, a pause. But this is a great time to, to, to start that pause in a way because this was such an effective story and so well done. A couple other important things from episode four. We get Renslayer. Watching back a version of her in He Who Remains. She's at the yeah. Citadel right now. She was commanding an army in the multiversal war. So we kind of see how that all plays out as Miss Minutes and Renslayer team up as they 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 team up to try to take over the TVA. And throughout this episode, we're getting a battle, a battle over Victor Timely. Victor is yeah. brought into the TVA. Victor meets yeah. OB. They love that. Love, yeah. Great, great scene that we get to see play out a few times over the next few episodes that Loki kind of uh, interacts uh, with with the two of them. And we see OB building his model and showing them how they will need to execute the plan. And Victor mm-hmm. Timely is the key component to this plan because he knows how to fix the loom. So a lot of this episode mm-hmm. is kind of the battle. Is Victor Timely going to help Miss yeah. Minutes and Renslayer? They're kind of pulling him one way. Mobius, Sylvie, Ob, the quote unquote good guys pulling him another way. Yeah, yeah. And you you started by mentioning uh, that interesting flashback uh, that that Renslayer mm-hmm. saw with He Who Remains, uh, or she, she Miss Minutes showed it to her, I believe. Uh, just even that, like the way that that was shown, it was like a hologram type thing, but not. It was a complete. I don't even. I think he. I really think a new rock stars. Saying. He called it a dollhouse version. You know, it's like they're yeah. watching like a little miniature, like yeah, miniature version cool. play out. It was <laughs> really visually awesome, just well done, and we get a sense over these couple of episodes of how pivotal a player Renslayer was and kind mm-hmm. of ruthless Renslayer yeah. was. When when Mobius yeah. tells that story in episode six, and 
and I'll say this too, uh, with where we left off with her in episode four, uh, you know, the cons of it felt like there were some things that they just didn't get to. And yeah. she was one of them. I felt like they kind of just kind of chopped off the end of her story. And uh, we, we might get to this a little later, but there was talk that episode five was completely thrown out. The original episode five was something that was originally conceived and they thought it was the best thing that there was. Uh, there was some sort of uh, ending to her story that was more than what we ended up getting here. Uh, but um, yeah, the, like where she was at this point in the story is really compelling. The stuff going on with her and Miss Minutes finally teaming up and they have a, you know, a, a bone to pick with he who remains. And, and uh, that seemed to just kind of fizzle out and go nowhere. But uh, nevertheless, uh, what, what we had was, was so strong otherwise. Yeah. And I think if there was a critique that I heard and one that I would be fine with people having, it did feel like, as much as this was a great ending and for Loki, uh, for Loki, uh, some mm-hmm. of the characters that we spent a little more time with in season one felt like mm-hmm. they were off to the side here. Like yeah. Sylvie just didn't feel like she had as much going on. Uh, yeah. Uh, neither did Hunter. A B fifteen was kind of mm-hmm. sidelined a little bit too. She didn't really have yeah. as much going on. Heck, I know, and for maybe different reasons, we didn't see as much of majors in here with He Who Remains, even like a little yeah. bit more. But this, especially in the end, it was very much based on Loki. So I think in all of the focus on Loki, it may have lacked a little on some of our other major characters. It maybe fell a little flat for some of their endings, like you were mentioning with with Renslayer and and what's next for them. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I don't know if it was the 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 length. You know, only six episodes per season. I personally like that. I think that that's enough to work with. These episodes were decently long. They were all, I think, like fifty minutes, probably forty or so minutes without credits. Uh, so they they had a you know good chunk of time to work with across six episodes. There, um, maybe just some choices needed to be made, and you know, not starting some of those stories. As, you know, as opposed to kind of leaving us hanging on them. Yeah, um, that's that said, you know, what what they gave us like uh, was was really good uh, for the most part that some of it felt a little empty. Maybe maybe it was because it was underdeveloped. Um, I personally uh, agree. Sylvie felt a little uh, lacking this this series. I, I personally didn't love the one note a little bit too. And I want my you know revenge because I have this grievance about, you know, my um, autonomy being taken away to any sort of logic you know when when she would be a you know shown that her actions would have these devastating consequences that she was still so stubborn that it was like i almost couldn't believe it um but you know that said i don't know if that was just my you know me not jiving with with uh the vibes of that character who knows that could just be my taste uh but for for whatever reason i didn't connect with her uh, I also didn't feel like she was very Loki-like. Like there was just a lack of charm and mischief that you get with Tom Hiddleston and his portrayal of, of Loki uh, that I felt didn't extend her character at all. It was it was completely devoid of that. And maybe that was a deliberate choice. Maybe that's part of her backstory that the the things that informed that part of his character were taken away from her uh, in her backstory, and that's why she's got such a chip on her shoulder. Uh, but uh, on the other end of the spectrum, I felt like uh, Tom Hiddleston and the Loki character, he always had this chip on his shoulder, but still somehow you liked him. Uh, I don't know if that's how the choices he made as an actor, just the way that they wrote him. 
but uh, they're, they're, he just seemed to be more alive and believable as a character, even a despicable character at times. Uh, but you just you, you grow to like him. That, that never happened uh, with, with Sylvie, and that's a disappointment on, on my end. So uh, we got to see Obi build a model. Um, he made a he made a little reference to Back to the Future. I wanted to give them a shout out yeah. too because there was a lot of Back to the Future in these episodes yeah. where Loki was yeah. going back in time. And recently, TK, it was November fifth was the day he goes back to nineteen fifty five, and then November twelfth is the day that lightning strikes the clock tower. So now right. I always know that because that's Milo's birthday on November twelfth. So uh, I we, we we were recording on November the thirteenth. So just after uh, some important days in the history of Back to the Future is always yeah. something you talk about when there's some time travel going on. Yeah. And we got some r- r- real quick. We got some please. great sci-fi references in here. If you're going to mention Back to the Future, I just want to give a shout out. Also, we got some uh, Jurassic Park references mm-hmm. in these episodes. Miss Minutes was very that. Uh, 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 you didn't say the magic word. It was kind of kind of like uh, that character from. Oh yeah. Uh, though I believe the actor is Wayne Knight. I forget that the character's name in the in the. Uh, but he he played Newman in Seinfeld. I think we all know the one I'm talking yeah. about, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, th- that one, and of course we got a great Groundhog Day thing. We jumped. Oh, ahead there was to six. a lot yeah. of Groundhog Day. Yeah. yeah, episode six was a great version of Groundhog Day, and a, a lot of fun. So they were having a lot of fun with like different sci-fi and fantasy tropes within this series, and uh, being a little bit overt with their with their references uh, on the pop culture side, which I, I I loved it. I thought that was really cool. So Loki has to. Prune himself he sees himself He has to prune himself and in From episode 4 on To episode 5 we see Loki figure out How to get control Over the time slipping doesn't quite Happen yet but this is something that he will Get control over In the next episode Or so what I thought I took notes of when Obi Reboots the system and Miss Minutes loses her power yeah. They've done such a great job when she has to glitch or when yeah. she has to like reboot is looking just terrifying and scary and like her, yeah. her just creepy. And she tells Victor with like her last breath before she goes offline, you'll never be him. Beep. Yeah. And I thought visually every time it kind of gave me goosebumps how Creepy they made this little AI hologram look Going offline and how How much sort of a Personality that she ends up having Yeah I thought Miss Minutes Was uh, intriguing just about Anytime she was on screen Um, And that was another Example though I just felt like there there, We missed something in like Episode 5 to 6 We didn't really get a good resolution from her But on the flip side Every time she was on screen, it, it was great. I loved that there was that like little version of her that was like a text-based version. That was the last bit that we saw. Um, and yeah, she uh, when they're uh, crushing um, what, the docs in her crew, they're 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 doing that that cube oh to my crush God. the whole crew, and she's just looking on with this like very very creepy enthusiasm. Uh, that uh, yeah, just I, I absolutely love the choices they made with that. Um, and then the, the idea that she, you know, full circle comes at, at the end and is kind of rebooted and 
they're like, is she safe? I, I guess she's safe. You know, uh, we, we don't know. That's still up in the air. We could still revisit that, you know, her as a, as a villain at some point in the future. And that's there's a lot to mind there. I mean, AI is it's in the news. It's fresh. Uh, it's a classic, you know, villain going back to. 2001 a space odyssey is you know the, the you know how in that uh, it's it's a great option for a villain so i thought that uh, all the miss minute stuff was really really well done and i like the animation too there's something mm-hmm. just about it that uh i found pleasing now i'm glad you brought up how terrifying that scene was the torture yeah. scene where they lock up first ren slayer miss minutes come in and they give everyone a chance hey look you can you can team up with us and they refuse so she locks them all in one of those cubes and i think eric from new rockstars was pointing this out like how creepy is it to not only be crushed but to be crushed oh, yeah. against other people yeah 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 like your body being crushed up against them it's actually the yeah. other people's body that like kills you it's just terrifying yeah. To think and about conversely, you're killing the other people yeah. around you too. It's, yeah, it's yeah. Just like, oh, but they really made you kind of feel the sense, the angst when this yeah. is happening. Um, All off camera, too. I yeah. mean, this was a Disney Plus show with yep. really no gore. It was all implied. And, it was all off of the reactions and a little bit of sound. Uh, the sound effects were subtle, but you know, very telling. Like you could just get the sense of all that the, the, the slimy viscera and the, the heat coming off of it. Um, yeah, that, and you get you get a few reactions too. Looks, you get some, yeah, the hundred B fifteen looks like yeah, you know, yeah, she's got some exactly. of the great real like reaction shots. Yeah, she would thrust she, she, she goes hard on her uh, reactions. Oh, they're yeah, very emotional. She's yeah. she's got them. Um, and and this is when we start to see at the end of the episode, Victor mm-hmm. Timely attempt to fix the loon. This feels like one of those yeah. um, like constant points in time, right? One of those points right. that they kept trying to go back and change yeah. repeatedly. And Loki's going to figure out that he has to actually change the equation because the same thing is going mm-hmm. to happen no matter what. Uh, but we get to see what is being referred to as spaghettifying. Yeah. When, yeah. When, we talk about this with like going into a black hole. Like that's what would happen. The the gravitational force is pulling in every direction. Would you would you would be spaghettified uh basically instantaneously as you approach a, a black hole. So uh, this is like we get we get a visualization of that and it's absolutely thrilling. I've never seen anything like me it. Neither. Uh, me it neither. was one of the coolest special effects in MCU history, I, I, I gotta say. And then they mined the shit out of it in the next episode. The next couple, right? Yeah, we yeah, see yeah, a, hell yeah, of a lot year. of it. But the way this fourth episode ended where you get mm. them, okay, ready? Here's the plan. He's gonna fix yeah. the branching. Victor's suited up. He runs in there, and then boom! Yep. He's just gone. But, and it's like... It's, yeah. It feels There's great heavy. momentum. There's such great momentum going into that because you have these great moments, too, where, you know, in the middle of the episode, you've got this confrontation with Sylvie, you know, chewing out Mobius. And there's this great back and forth with like a shot reverse. And they're both just going center to camera and a close up. And Mobius is kind of like engulfed in darkness. And Sylvie is uh, basically just chewing him out, telling him, like, how could you 
how could you want pie right now? Like the, there's the, the fate of the universe is a multiverse is at stake here. And you're just, you, you want pie. Uh, and it's just this great, like little clash there. And then you have um, Loki and Sylvie have their, their talk, which ends with him saying, you know, we are gods. And it's this very inspiring moment and this low angle. And he walks toward camera and you feel, okay, we're going somewhere with this. And then you've got Timely's arc where he's, you know, he's kind of been a coward in some ways. And now, now this is his time to be like brave. Like a con man, even, right? Yeah, yeah, you can see him even, kind of nervous, but they, yeah. they pump him up. You're going to do this. You know, they kind of and all. Minutes, as, yeah. Minutes even like kind of pushes him in, a, in a, like the opposite way, like where she's, she, you'll never be him. So that puts mm-hmm. it in his head. Like, oh, I, I'm not going to be good enough. So he feels like he has to prove that. He has to prove that at the end. So it, it all kind of converges to this. And it feels like, you know what? Yeah, this is gonna work out. <laughs> we're we're gonna get this done here, and like momentum is on our side. And then they just pull the rug, and it's fantastic. They leave us on that great moment. It's in the loom explodes. Victor yeah. turns into spaghetti, and yeah. then all of a sudden Loki is confused. He has no idea yeah. what's happening, and we just end on black. Yeah, yeah. Just. And I think you see everybody's reaction too, right? Yep. Yeah, get- like what happened? Everyone's, you know, yeah. they, they were just like you said. There's this momentum where everyone feels like, okay, yeah. they got rid of Miss Minutes. They took care of Renslayer. They've got everything. Like they've mapped everything out. Now our good guys have their mission. They're gonna go. And it's like he yeah. doesn't even get out the door, and yeah. it's just booms spaghetti fight. Yeah. And it's like all of our characters are at that point now just like basically like what the hell just happened and they're bracing for death. Like they're no idea what to do. We're about to die right here and they're looking at it and they can't do anything. I love everyone's performance and their performance uh, choices in this moment. Mobius is kind of like uh, jumping up and he's kind of bouncing a little bit like Like like, anxious. Like, like yeah. And he's like uh, almost like he's gonna dodge it or something. Like he's getting ready to dodge it, uh, but but like that's the best thing he could think to do in the moment. Like everyone's just kind of so helpless, and it's this uh, I think a great moment to end on because it's such a cliffhanger. You're like everyone's dead. Are they resetting it? Are they like wh- who's gonna survive this? Is it even possible? And then we get episode five, which is just such a, a, a fun, uh, trippy. Uh, answer to that, uh, and it's it's all about getting the band back together. Exactly. And, uh, yes. And, yes. And learning the uh, like how to control this time slipping thing, um, and so it's this great mix of of like, this really somber, trippy stuff. And, and I, when I say trippy, I mean I'm having a, trouble finding a better word. For it's it. true. Like it doesn't quite no. Yeah, it doesn't quite sell it enough though. But it's so trippy in in the best it, way. Such a great. Why I'm I'm really excited about it too. Like you're saying, trippy is a, a good word to me because it just it mm-hmm. expresses that it was like a bold choice, yeah. right? Like a, a lot of these choices they made were big and bold, and they didn't all hit. Like sometimes they go too far out in the weeds with stuff they're describing and like some of the verbiage and stuff. But I just mm-hmm. respected that everything felt like they were all in in yeah. the show. Yeah, the writing, the acting, the visuals. Like everything felt like, hey, we're gonna go all the way with this versus half with most of it. Like we have a few critiques about the characters, but just the mm-hmm. overall of like feeling like this place, everything was lived in, characters were yeah. here, the sense of the weight of everything. I um just 
really loved where we went from the end of episode four on. They trusted us. They trusted us too, as as viewers. You know, like um, they didn't over-explain things too much. No, they, they they let us be confused at times, and they let us go, "What the hell's going on?" A few times, um, more than and I a think few because times, they That's trusted great. the ending, right? Yeah, we I mean they. And it feels different. I hate because Secret Invasion is always going to catch strays, you know, when we go back and like critique things. But it's so bad in hindsight. But, but when you compare to, to like something like this, where they were trying to do a lot of that there, but where mm. we ended didn't make any of the the stuff feel like a good yeah. conclusion. Here, <laughs> yeah. where we end with Loki, it feels so good, and we feel mm. like we still have some questions, but. We we trust them where they're gonna go with this because of what a good bow they put on this character. It's just like they can do these things the right way, and they just they did they didn't in that in that last uh, show we watched. Right, and, and that's a great example of that show of like just not sticking the landing. I mean, yeah. they were weak throughout, but there was stronger stuff earlier on. And then it got really weak. And I remember us talking, and we've said this many times, like going into a final episode, like. Will they stick the landing? Can they can they pull it out? They they've had so many weak endings. That's generally the big uh, weakness of you know Marvel movies is their third acts. Uh, but then when when you have something like this where they it gets better at the end, it somehow makes everything that came before even better too. So it just it just works so well. It's such a triumph. Episode five is called Science Slash Fiction. And we op- yeah. open with Loki alone in the TVA. He hears an announcement about fail safe mode. And <laughs> now at this point, the TVA, when the branches overload, everything deletes and the temporal loom is just a fail safe. We, we, we yeah. So all of these variants are returned to their timelines. And this is when Loki figures out that time slipping now becomes time traveling for Loki. Mm-hmm. I think OB says that he is a better version of a temp pad. Right. Um, but what he has to do in this episode is like anyone figure out how to control this new power. Um, he learns that when he focuses on the who, the people, he's able to control it because people are a mm-hmm. constant. Um, this is something that was in Lost mm-hmm. when when they were able to kind of uh, hone in on that. This is something we've seen. With Doctor Strange as a constant having right. the the love and that kind of date to kind of reference and go back to. So as you pointed out, this is an episode all about getting the band back together. A lot of spaghettifying. Yeah. Each time he yeah. slips, each reality disintegrates and spaghettifies. But yeah. we, we can go one by one here. Casey, he goes back. To 1962 San Francisco The prison break from Alcatraz Casey was Frank I believe it was Frank Frank Morris Who was the escaped Alcatraz patient Mm -hmm. In 1962 Talk to us about how cool this was TK When they this was like the D.B. Cooper stuff Exactly that's what I was going to say It's a cool setting and a twist For for Casey and it it harkens Back to that that connection uh, From season one where was it Loki was essentially DB Cooper or, yep. or something like that? Yeah. Is that that's the uh, the idea of that uh, flashback? I think it was they pretty were kind of going. Even. It was early. They yeah. were going through a lot of the mischievous things he's done. Yeah. You know when they yeah. brought him into the TVA. Yep. That 
that stuff is always fun when you have this like alternate history, you have real life stuff anchored by your fictional characters. Uh, and it just adds to the the texture of the show and makes it feel more lived in and real. And it's just a, it's a fun Easter egg at the same time, too. We also get a great um, callback to the joke of gut you like a fish when Loki finds mm-hmm. him. He, he, he says that to him. And it's this it's this great uh, or wait, I forget. Uh, uh, Frank says it to Loki. I, I forget exactly. How, I, no, how I, it goes, I think but I it, think Casey says it. Casey actually says it, I think, to someone okay, yeah. because. In uh, Frank, as Frank, Frank says it. Yes. Right, right. But the first time when we said it, Loki was Loki hiding. Says it and Loki says it. Loki said Casey. it to the Casey Vert character in the TVA. So, and then it, Casey says, "What's a fish?" And it's, it was a yeah. great, you know, moment of comedy in that episode, which also informed the characters too, because that, that was an early kind of clue of that, like, oh, these guys like don't know anything outside of like this world. They've had their minds essentially wiped. Like they're they're just there, there are personalities that are just focused on the, their jobs, essentially. Uh, so that that told us a little bit about like what the TVA was at you know early on in the story. And so now we get this just fun callback to that, which just for for a joke. But again, it's about coming full circle. That's it's adding to the themes of that. And this this uh, ep- these episodes in general, and the whole series really is about looping back and coming full circle. You know. Uh, where you're you're a character who's you know gone through this journey and then you go back to a, a point earlier on in the journey but you're a different version uh you're 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 a changed like person uh than, than you were when you initially experienced it and that they do that like multiple times you know over uh over themselves basically within the, this storytelling there's so many you know intersecting loops of of this that happens it's it's just really uh, fun, fun way to tell a story, and uh, and it's it's more than just uh, Easter eggs. You know, it's it's adding to the themes of the story, which I think is perfect. We check in with Mobius Dawn back in 2022. He's mm-hmm. working at uh, Pariah Power Sports, and yeah. he's Don't a single these. dad with a couple sons. Yeah, yeah. two two sons, uh, and I love uh, jumping ahead to episode six. We find out, um, you know, was that uh, stuck in his brain somewhere and 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 help, caused him to to hesitate. Uh, so like a lot of like really cool connections, I think, you know, with with uh, the, their backstories and uh, and uh, how their personalities kind of hold through, uh, you know, into the, their their personalities in the TVA. Um, I thought this was a fun thing too, and it was kind of like perfunctory that we would have to see him, you know, r- riding a jet ski or like doing something connected to jet skis in this. But I also felt like, man, I, I wanted a little more. I wanted something. I wanted to feel more. I wanted to laugh more with the stuff uh, going on with him in this episode. I kind of agree. I thought the Mobius one, I it, it wasn't bad, but like no. we just, I didn't feel it as much um, with him, e- even like our. Heading to 1994 with OB back in Pasadena mm-hmm. was kind of fun getting to see this yeah. PhD who's a wannabe writer and he's trying to sneak his science fiction books into stores so that way yeah. they'll like just kind of stir up some buzz and, and end up maybe ordering some from him and getting him paid in the long run. But he's actually the guy that helps Loki realize more about time mm-hmm. slipping. He kind of leans into his science fiction background and yeah. Loki actually gives him the tva handbook 
so OB can create a temp pad. Yeah. So again, this is like grandfather paradoxes, like over and over again here, because it's like uh, OB created the handbook based on Timely's work. Timely's work is based on the the handbook, and now we have Loki giving OB the handbook. So it's just like w- w- this big chicken or the egg thing. Uh, but it all kind of like it, it's like a self-fulfilling paradox, you know, it's I love it. And uh, I think that uh, Obi's story in this episode uh, was the richest. Uh, you know, we got to see everyone what they were doing in their own timelines. But Obi's was the most interesting. It had the most connection to, you know, Loki's story here and they had the most going on with it. So uh, I, I really enjoyed that. And I love the themes of, you know, science versus fiction. Uh, and leaning on one versus the other, uh, and uh, and how it, there's an embracing of the fiction ultimately here, and uh, that ties into you know Loki's comic uh, identity uh, from Agents of Asgard, which is he, him becoming the god of stories, and I think ultimately that's uh, the big movement here. Uh, it's not you know a one-to-one adaptation of that. But that's a major, major uh, thematic development here is that he's shifting from this villain, uh, the god, the god of mischief, uh, to the, you know the god of stories. Uh, he's going kind of from lies to stories here, um, and stories can create uh, and build, whereas lies can kind of destroy. Uh, and then uh, it's uh, it, it's done in so many beautiful ways. But uh, yeah, I just I just love that. They just again, if they're adding so many thematic details that just uh, buoy and bolster uh, Loki's overall arc and it's all it all fits so I just yeah this this was a really cool aspect of it 100B15 was in 2012 in New York City she was a pediatrician helping <laughs> a, uh, a young girl yeah um, so she you know again like you said we got just got like a brief look at the others. OB mm-hmm. was the one that we spent the most time with of these three, but we did get a chance to see the doctor helping uh, a little girl here and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of acting like that sort of motherly leadership role that Hunter B-15 has. Yeah. And it's, it's confirmed too, that she's uh, the, the identity is Dr. Verity Willis, who in the comics is a friend of Loki in that same um, agent of Asgard run that I just mentioned. Uh, and, uh, her her kind of power in that story is that she can see through any lie, even Loki. So there might be more that they had planned for her that they didn't get to here. Maybe something to do with the original concept of episode five that they ended up having to scrap. And that that concept, by all accounts, was like the, their favorite story of the whole series. Everyone loved it internally, and it was only nuked by the Marvel Brain Trust. Uh, some key executives there uh, headed by Kevin Feige. So who knows, it might have stepped on some some other stories or it might have retread old stories. Uh, there's there's um, speculation that because this doctor was in 2012 New York, that maybe the original story was that they were going to loop back again on the battle of New York uh, and, you know, do some some more with that. Uh, speculation also that maybe that was nuked because that would have retread, you know, uh, that the story too many times. We've already gone back to that well many times in the series. I personally wouldn't have, um, I wouldn't have disliked that if that was what they decided. If what they gave us was something really cool and we got, you know, a loop on top of a loop, 
I, I would have been all, all for it, but I am curious to, to know, you know, exactly what was lost there. And um, and also, I'm curious to know why, you know, we didn't we didn't get that much of, of her side stories uh, uh, and why they would make her this character from the comics. Uh, that's that's, you know, pretty prominent and pr- uh, with Loki's story, at least without, you know, if they didn't have more into that a little bit more here. Yeah. 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 It seems like maybe something was left on the table there. So I'm interested in, in that. Um, and maybe that's why this episode uh, overall, if we're talking about four five and six, it was my least favorite of the three, even though it had some of my favorite parts from the three, if that makes sense. Uh, I think maybe because it, it's possible that it was a little bit undercooked. Uh, um, the long story short, when they nuked it, they had to rewrite it in, I think, a weekend. So, I mean, they came up with something great. I loved the spaghettification stuff. It was really fun to get the, the, the band back together. And it ended on an amazing note. And I thought it was really, really strong. But I also felt like, yeah, there should have been, a, you know, more uh, Mobius stuff. There should have been, like, there should have been more yep. there, there. There, there. There was more meat on that bone and almost all of these side stories here and all of their um you know their timelines that i felt that we left on the table uh and i i'm i'm a little bit uh disappointed that we didn't get to see that but you know again ultimately i really loved where they went in season uh, episode six and the, the the culmination of it all was was really solid so i can't complain too much yep no those were very similar gripes that i had as well as loki gets the band back together to save the tva and uh, you can hear one of the things about recording at home is you get the uh, land, the gardeners <laughs> that, sh- that show up in the back and then uh, they, they're on a random schedule. But as uh, as Loki gets the band back together to save the TVA, Sylvie helps him realize that he's actually doing this selfishly, right? He's taking these people and plucking them from their lives now and trying to get them to like, let's do it all over again where we get everybody back here and – and she makes him understand it actually <clears throat> at the end of episode five starts to come to him where it's not about the what it's about the who it's about these people. Yeah. Um, these are his friends and Sylvie mainly someone that he's now in love with is that constant. And that's when he's able to start controlling the time slipping as we sort of mm-hmm. finish up episode five, everything around Sylvie spaghettifies. And she still kind of makes it for a while, but eventually they all spaghettify and Loki's just alone again. Yeah. And really that's haunting, scary kind of moments like that, that uh, scene where she goes into the record shop and it's just this quiet scene. They've been foreshadowing the spaghettification a little bit because when, when, um, Loki went and sat down with her at the bar and they're talking like there's certain things that like just just kind of spaghettify and disappear and she notices them I don't think Loki does and she's just indifferent to it uh which is really an interesting you know choice yes. from the writers I think uh but uh but compelling nonetheless that she's you it's know almost she like she doesn't, doesn't want to want it to yeah. be true right or she's kind right. of like like trying to yeah. act like it's not happening um, but right. it is, it's her it's, fault too. <laughs> yeah, it is fascinating yeah. when you see like her sit down and listen to the music. I thought that scene was really cool oh. when she sits down and like she can really hear and you feel it. And then behind her, the you know the store clerk who works at the mm-hmm. record store, he starts to spaghettify. He kind of runs after yeah. her. 
Yeah, you know, he, he looks terrified too. I mean, like when people see this beginification happening, it's this terrifying thing. Like your reality is pulling apart and people are turning into these strings that disappear. Uh, it's way more visually interesting than um, the snap, even, which I thought was, you know, well done at the time than kind of turning to these ash things. Uh, it, it, it's, it's reminiscent of that. I'll, I'll say that's probably why I thought of it. Um, but um it's 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 a new level it's just something that's really interesting to look at you see this the record spinning and then just like each groove on the record splits into like its own spaghetti and then the the counter and the world around this guy and ultimately him he just like turns into these strings and uh you know my words can't give it justice it's just really beautifully done uh on screen and the, the the uh the visual effects guys who did that are just absolutely uh, incredible. I'm sure they use some really interesting algorithms and programs or something to, to make that happen. Some, some physics models of some sort, you know, within the computer, I don't know exactly how all that stuff works, but whatever they were using, whatever tools they had available, they, they used them amazingly. Uh, and uh, the, the end result was something that I don't think I'll ever forget that. I think that's going to be like, like we talk about those moments that really make a, a show or a movie worth watching. Like that's one of those moments that's going to stand the test of time. And it's going to be an iconic uh, visual thing. I bet they'll bring it back too in future MCU I think uh, so. properties and the way that we see the, um, you know, that ring of fire when, when, when you open up a portal, like a Dr. Strange portal, how that we see that across, you know, different uh, movies that don't even have Dr. Strange in them maybe. Uh, but um yeah, I think this is gonna this is gonna be something that uh, helps to define the look of the MCU moving forward. Now, uh, episode six is titled "Glorious Purpose." Some of the major yeah. kind of headlines here: Loki comes full circle, no longer a villain. Throughout this episode, he needs to change fate. He needs to rewrite history. And TK, this is where we get a bunch of the Back to the Future yeah. Groundhog Day feels yeah. as like he. What's great is that every time he goes back, he's able to learn from it, right? And, mm-hmm. and gather more and more information each time he goes back in time about what will happen and just yeah. learn more about his surroundings, the situations. And we actually see him learning each time more and more. Yeah. And they do this in such a well done comedic way with the yeah. music, the way, yeah. da, 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 you know, and then it starts yeah. and, and then it's, because it's Victor, it's a person just horribly dying over and over and over yeah. again, but they don't Different make angles. It, but they make it laugh about it while it's happening because the yeah. way it's all done, the speed of it, Loki's comedy, the way he's like, you know, finishing everyone's sentences, take stealing yeah. people's lines the next time through. I thought doing this in the comedy way was such a great mm-hmm. way to do it because it made something that was like we just were. And at the end of episode four, when this happened, we were yeah. all like, oh, my gosh. And, yeah. and now the same thing we're laughing at. It's it's a yeah. great way to do it. It's great, too, because we, we, and we had that moment of punctuation at the end of, you know, episode five where Loki's back in his body at that moment. And we, and we realize that, you know, he can he can time slip uh, and control it uh, and, you know, he can bring the things that he learned with him. So you you have this sense of like hope there too, because like, oh, he made this crazy leap of progress. Uh, But then he's immediately met 
with you know just this like this Sisyphean task uh, where it's just no matter what he does that that rock just keeps rolling back down the hill uh, and uh, that's that's kind of comedic like he keeps trying all these different things and just keeps <laughs> failing on them in this spectacular way uh, that we've seen and it's not like the first time we see it it's horrific but you know by the you know third or fourth time it's it's hilarious like to see like, oh he's gonna get spaghettified again and like they just it's all done in the montage too the way it's edited with that music yeah. that you mentioned uh, a fifth of Beethoven it's like a remix of Beethoven's fifth, sem- fifth uh, symphony um really great thematic choice there too because essentially what he's doing is like going back to you know to like a historical thing and like trying to remix it and create something better um and it's it's a whole lot of fun too uh and it's a it's it's interesting too because i think he i'm not sure exactly where where it happened i think maybe over the course of the last episode but as he learns to control the time slipping the time slipping also changes right like he he became uh, a different type of time traveler and that like initially when he's accidentally doing it, he's looping back onto, you know, himself uh, to where there's two Lokis there. And then uh, ulti- and what he does here is he loops back into his own body. Into his own body so he can rewrite things. So yeah, he can yeah. actually change things. Yeah. And that's like and the that's, power. And and I think yeah. that, I think that is when, when that happens is when there's a moment also that we didn't really address where mm-hmm. um when OB like reboots Miss Minutes, he actually yeah. allows the magic, he like flips the thing that keeps the magic yeah. off in the TVA. And that's right. why Loki is able to gain some of his powers back in the use of yeah. his magic here as a god that wasn't that he wasn't able to do before. There's a moment where he said, <laughs> if I do that, and him and Sylvie are both like, Yes, do that. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, like let I us think that's an- yeah, and that's in episode four, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like, I believe that's like right after he prunes himself. Yep. Or it's like and, right around that. So, so and that's maybe when that's he part of it. Pruning himself yeah, yeah. there creates the 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 less Loki, right? There's not as many of him. Yeah. He goes back to the time, and now he's in control of it. And yeah. man, it's fat, like so well done with the comedy to where, um, he, you know, he keeps going and back and back in time. He le- he learns from his mistakes mm-hmm. and. He, he he realizes, okay, every time he tries to speed up the process at first, he thinks they need to go faster. Yeah, then he yeah. realizes that no matter how fast they go, there's always something that's going to go a little bit wrong. Yeah. They need to start the process earlier mm-hmm. instead of trying to go faster. So he now slips a little bit farther back in time and a little bit farther back mm-hmm. in time to try to get the process started. This one – Little speed when he interrupts Miss Minutes and Ravona. Um, it's yeah. really funny. He says, Miss Minutes, I know right now you're hurt and you're angry, but you need we need your help in finishing the throughput multiplier faster. Time is of the essence. Yeah. I wasted time, and now the time wastes me. And it just <laughs> he's like flying through it, and everyone's yeah. looking at him like, What the hell is this guy what? talking about? It, it's really yeah. funny. And I love that it's implied that like that time, and they do this multiple times. It isn't the, necessarily the first time he's tried it. And you, ju- no. you just get that impression because of how he's talking and certain things that he'll say. And you like clue you into on it to like, oh, we're seeing this for the first time. But this is like his 80th try on this he, you know, version of, of events. He answers uh, himself like he'll, the, he'll ask a question and then he'll yeah. respond for someone else before they have the time to respond. Yeah. 
You know, it's yeah. it's even more than finishing someone's sentences. Like he knows what they're going to say. And yeah. this is the part that really reminds you of Groundhog Day. Where like, what does he teach himself how to learn the piano? You right, know, and right, like right. he's like at the end, he's calling himself a god. He's like, I'm a god, yeah. you know, and it you got this feeling here. Um, it was mm-hmm. really cool. I, I really enjoyed this like uh, quite a bit. Me too. And Groundhog Day, I mean, he's supposed to be, I think, uh, Harold Ramis or I'm, I forget exactly who is the director or writer of that. Uh, forgive me if I'm off there. Uh, but the director or writer of that said that it was like a, like a 10,000 year journey for Bill Murray in, in that movie, like that he he literally lived that day for 10,000 years or maybe more. Uh, so like there's so much that can happen in it. I think there's like a, a scene where he's like doing ice sculpture. He becomes like great at all these random things, uh, not just like knowing what's going to happen, but like, you know, you've got time to develop like a hobby and like master it like you beyond time. Uh, so we see a lot of that uh, in this episode. But one thing you touched on there, I just kind of realized it for the first time. But you were saying at first he is he's not he thinks it's got to go faster. So that's. That's an example of how, like we, we have to change it, like how we approach it. Uh, and then you said um, earlier, uh, no, we have to go earlier. So that's an example of when. And there's another piece of um, dialogue, you know, I forget it was this episode or the one before, but Loki's kind of realizing it's not about how, when, and why, it's about who. Mm-hmm. And that perfectly foreshadows what he ultimately realizes that he has to do is that you know, it can't be Victor. None of that's going to work. Uh, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. but No, but it, yeah, it's, it's got to be him. It's got to be, like, it, it's about who. And this, this, is, this is Loki's story. Uh, and so if, it, if this is going to work, they're focusing on, you know, he's focusing on the wrong elements. He needs to focus on who's doing this. Uh, so like, it all fits together so, so well. And don't question yourself. Harold Ramis did direct Groundhog Day oh, and you, was uh, one of the writers in Groundhog Day as well. Perfect. So uh, there you go. As Thanks for checking that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, nope, I, I thought it was. So I wanted to make sure you got the you got the credit there. <laughs> uh, so it, it is great. Like Loki will have will see Victor out. He'll try, try to talk Victor through the process. And before Victor gets out on the to try to fix the loom every time he'll remind him don't set the multiplier down you know he'll like little things like that um and uh, the interaction where victor timely and ob meet each other another really funny moment where loki says hey introductions ouroboros this is victor timely victor timely this is ouroboros guess what the tba handbook you both wrote it isn't that amazing the way he says isn't that amazing it's so like it's like you said you get the sense just from that line that he's mm-hmm. said this he's he's gone through this 50 times yeah, with yeah. and now he's he streamlined it to be like the most uh simple fast way like, he knows yeah. all the beats of like of, of the of the meeting and he's like let me just like rapid fire all these beats so that bo, you guys bo, bo, like bo. don't have to catch up here like let me get to the like the end. and it's a great also that's like looping back again to kind of what happened with um, Loki in that screening room in, in all like episode one or so of of, uh, of season one uh, when he's shown his whole life and his future 
uh, to himself. That's like this way of like kind of just fast forwarding through all this character development for him. Uh, and uh, they they do that in other ways in this episode too, like kind of fast forwarding through character development with uh, that great ellipses of like eventually uh, Loki finds out. Um, or he gets to the point where he's like, how long would it take for me to know uh, everything that you know, uh, Obi? He's like, uh, 10 years. And then Timely's like, centuries. And then you just <laughs> see on the screen. And it's so funny, that centuries later. And it's, that's all you need, right? You you, you can paint that's the it. picture in your head of what's going on. Oh, my gosh. He's been, he went back centuries ago or something, and, uh, like, and then just stuck himself in a, a room with, with those books and, you know, figured everything out and, and learned. And so he's leveling up in this episode uh, as well. It's a great, important story thing. And they do it so efficiently uh, with a joke uh, that doesn't detract from anything. It doesn't undermine the reality. It actually only adds to it. Um, and then at the end of it, you get a Loki who is primed to be much more powerful. He's literally like, he's if he's got these like um, almost superhuman uh, mental abilities uh, to begin with, but now he's got all this education and understanding of the physical world, you know, at a, a genius level, uh, he's getting closer and closer to, you know, his final form and uh, the a power level that would allow for what he ultimately does in this episode. Uh, so it's 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 planting those seeds that make it plausible for where they go. Uh, and again, like they just do it so deftly and so so well that it's it, it's done in this like really quick exchange and a, you know, a title card, uh, and that and it's played for laughs. So it's just it's a win 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 across the board. It's it's such a and you just centuries later, and then the yeah. first thing <laughs> after that is Casey saying. Loki, I'm not questioning your surprisingly advanced engineering skills, but maybe <laughs> OB should test that thing first. You know, they just kind of hit you with yeah. it right away. So you're la- like you're smiling and it makes you laugh. And yeah. he's like, nope, it's perfect. And he rattles through everything. He makes sure that Victor Timely sees that the uh, it's safe. And he says, uh, we have to move fast. It's him. It's you. You volunteer. Here's the plan. Get in, get suited up. When those doors open, go down the gangway as fast as you can. Load the multiplier, hit the green button, launch it, and get back. Got it? By the way, remember, tape your right thumb, left knee, and faceplate. The temporal radiation will peel your skin off. Watch the first step. Trip hazard. Thumb, knee, faceplate. One last thing. Whatever you do, do not set the multiplier down or it will roll off the gangway. Okay? Don't forget. Be brave. And he, like, slaps him on the butt and moves off. It is just... Yeah, fantastic, just great. <laughs> Timely's like, holy shit! You know what I mean? Like he's got the look <laughs> yeah. on his face. Like the the I, and you were pointing this out. All of their facial reactions mm-hmm. in these moments were really good. Like Ob, yeah. Sylvie, Mobius. They're like, what the hell is going on? Every time Loki's all of a sudden just knows everything about everything. Oh yeah, yeah. I I really liked uh, the, the the acting in this show is is really top notch. I gotta say, uh, Owen Wilson uh, had, he's always been like a favorite actor of mine. This reminded me though of just how much me I too, man. Really, I was like him. just thinking about that, and I was just talking about that with someone. Um, and because and you know why? Because I'm see I'm hearing his voice all the time in Cars. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. Milo's super into cars, so we're watching Lightning McQueen all the time. So I'm oh, yeah. hearing, I'm hearing him, and and I, uh, man, he's he's so great. Like, there's another right after, just after this, where um, 
Loki interrupts Mobius about to say Mobius says better watch out OB someone's coming for your job and Loki like interrupts him and he says someone's coming for your job uh-huh I'm coming you know what he like yeah. it's just great man it really really good stuff yeah re- really solid uh I, I can't explain one bit about um the acting on this show, even though I already have complained a little bit about Jonathan Majors earlier on. But like I said earlier, some of the stuff in in the final episode retroactively made me he, like earlier stuff better. Because well, he made fun of himself, right? Yeah, yes. I swear that it was like that lampshaded the whole thing where it, it, it made it uh, it made it palatable. And then you, you start to go, oh, are all of his variants like putting on airs? Are they all playing characters? Um, on some level, uh, and so uh, that, I found that really intriguing. Uh, and then I, it made me go, okay, so yeah, it makes sense that they're going to be kind of these broad uh, characters. He's not necessarily like a, uh, you know, the, the variants aren't actors. They're they're just you know sociopaths or something like do, doing uh, acting. Uh, and so you know, it it might be broad. It might be you know over the top, or or maybe that's just them having fun with it. Like it's ambiguous enough that um, it doesn't really ma- matter uh, what you think. Uh, but it, it makes enough sense, and it, it just kind of ties it all together. And like, yeah, I, I immediately after the Jonathan Major stuff in the final episode was like back on board. I'm like, I'm, I like too. this guy, <laughs> and and Me I too. was kind of iffy in the middle like some of the timely stuff just seemed a little bit too uh just silly i don't know i know it was I, over, I the, say, top. It was over, over the, top. the top it was just yeah. over that's that's all i would say about it over the top uh i gotta say pumpkins though his his the way that he said great. pumpkins pumpkin yeah. i liked that a lot I laughed and, and yeah it just felt it felt good so loki now knows pretty much everything about what this sequence about what's going to happen mm-hmm. So he gets Victor out onto the gangway. He Victor pushes through this massive force as Loki is talking him through the process. Get to the gangway as fast as you can, then load the <laughs> multiplier one step at a time. And again, the way he's doing it, it's like he knows the things Victor needs to say. He says them in sort of just like a quick, a condescending mm-hmm. way, almost. Like, that's it. One step at a time. Be brave. You're being so brave. Like, you're (laughs) doing really well. Fantastic. (laughs) Keep going. One foot in front of the other. Before you know it, you'll be at the end of the gangway. It's like, he knows (laughs) that this is what Victor needs. This kind of, like, like, like you'd be talking to a child, you know, pumping him up like this. And and then he says, ah, Victor, what did I tell you? Do not put the multiplier down. It will roll (laughs) off the gangway. (laughs) (laughs) And Victor kind of he said it so many times before. Like you just get you knew through it. the performances you get... and the dialogue. Ah, you know Victor. You yeah. know, it's like like he doesn't have the the mental like um he's just exhausted with this whole thing. So like he he doesn't have the uh, the ability at, at, in this moment to like patience. be sincere. Yeah, no. he, he's completely yeah, he's no more patient. So like he just he said it, you get the sense that he said it countless times like and and like for us it's the first time we're ever seeing victor this far or yeah. as as an audience but we know just through those those uh clues that you know he's gone all the way to the end before and messed it up he's gonna <laughs> it's happened over and over and over again when, uh and when, so that's there's something funny about that there's something uh, uh interesting that it adds to the drama of the, of the, the situation too because it's like 
we feel like, oh, he's, he's going to get it. He's going to uh, do it. We're seeing more than we've ever seen before. But, uh, you know, we still know that, like, it could be all, all, uh, all for nothing. And ultimately, you know, that's kind of where, where it ends up. You still get this sense in Loki's voice that at this point, he's still expecting mm-hmm. something to mess up. Yeah, because yeah, it's yeah, messed yeah. up every time, right? And there's right. a there's like a real flip in just a, a few seconds where you can like mm-hmm. sense a change in Loki because it goes right. from like farther than they've ever been, you know. Yeah. And he's um. So it's funny. He Victor gets down, loads the multiplier in, and Loki tells him to hit the green button, and he does, and like nothing happens, and Loki just like, oh, it can be a little sticky, you know. And then <laughs> Victor pounds the button, and all of a sudden. Like it looks like it's working, and Victor starts making it, and this is where Loki smiles. It's working, it's working, it's gonna work this time. Come on, Victor. Yes, come on, go, 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 go. And he makes his way back into the room, and they all start clapping. And everyone's like, You kidding me? He did it. How did he do it? And pumpkins, you know, that's what yeah. he says, and he's all excited. And Casey's gonna check the systems, and OB's looking, and finally it's integrating. And oh yes, it, like they're all excited. Loki says it worked. It's working right now. Look at this. We did it. We did it. And they celebrate for about ten seconds. Yeah. <laughs> and, um. And then the readings are off. And yeah. Obi doesn't know they're just off. And and you start to see just the dread and despair in Loki's eyes in his face from like no. I've done this a thousand times We've gone farther back We started earlier We realized it wasn't about this It was about who And everything Mm -hmm. we've had to do to get here And now the loom is overloading again And it's because They didn't Take into account Scaling They didn't take into account that These branches are duplicating And expanding at an infinite rate They're not. It's not two times two is four Right, mm-hmm. it's just it's nonstop, and they keep like exponentially expanding. There's so many yeah. branches that there's honestly nothing they can do at this point. This is like a real defeated moment, as it just yeah. you can see it in Victor's face, in Obi, and in Loki, to where the loom will never be able to accommodate for an infinitely growing multiverse. You can't scale for infinite. It's like trying to divide by zero It can't be done No matter how much we increase the throughput It will never be enough And the loom will mm-hmm. always fail And the new timelines will always fail As if It's as if as soon as the timeline started branching This was doomed to happen Sylvie says that as sort of Her realizing that She is kind of the one that caused all of this By killing yeah. human remains yeah, yeah, and so now it kind of it, it takes a shift because we're at the point of like coming full circle now. We're essentially right back at the end of episode four, and we've gone on this journey. We've learned so much, and uh, we we've gone through it again and gotten further. But then again, full circle back to the beginning, back to square one, uh, and then so there's this uh, dilemma. And from my perspective, at the uh, at that moment, and I think this is what's intended it for everyone to think, is that Loki's going to have to kill Sylvie, and that's the only yeah. way he's going to make this work. And they do a good uh, job of making us think yeah. that that really there aren't any other options. Right, we don't even right. think about the option that ends up happening, where Loki no. ends up making the ultimate sacrifice, and no. that 
and, and maybe it's a combination of us not knowing that that could happen or that was possible, right. or maybe even us not thinking that Loki would do that. All yeah, of those absolutely. together. The, the scale of power seems like way off. Like that couldn't be possible, you know, before we, until we see it, that, that never crossed my mind that that could happen. And some would say that that is a, uh, negative for the show that they didn't do enough to build up Loki to show like w- you know what's what's possible from him uh, and to show that like to to make this seem like an inevitable outcome. I, I disagree. I think Me they too. had just enough uh, things there, that, uh, like like the one we we, we just pointed out uh, about uh, you know him you know going centuries and learning you know math, just like little things to scale up his. His power level. An ability and knowledge on top of the fact that now he's got his powers back. He is a god. When a lot of these other variants were actual humans, he is a god that had powers and abilities. And so, yeah, once we see it and we we get the idea of him at the end of this episode having to be – like his glorious purpose is that he's just brand- pruning branches, right? He's pulling them yeah. or he's making things clean. He's cleaning stuff up forever, and that's what he has to constantly be doing. You, you, I'm okay with it. Like it makes it feel <laughs> it feels great. But at this point, yeah. we don't we don't know that's even an option for him. You're 100 yeah. percent right, and I love the way they did that because immediately after Sylvie says, "It's as, as soon as it's as." If as soon as the timeline started branching, this was doomed to happen. Loki mm-hmm. goes right back in time to the Citadel, Love right? It. Yeah, flash and right back is... to him and Sylvie when mm-hmm. Sylvie kills him. He who remains, and and, and this stuff it, it, it takes it to another level of fun too because we're we're looping back on an old moment and not just an old moment, but one that was really charged to begin with. It was toward the end of season one. Uh, meeting he who remains at the Citadel was. Uh, just a very interesting occurrence that happened in, in like one of the most memorable things uh, was, you know, that that whole exchange and how he gets killed by Sylvie and and the the concepts that they're talking about. And it, it, it takes the story to a, like a whole new level and to then be able to have gone through all this stuff with this new version of Loki who can now affect change uh, within that context uh, there's, there, I don't know, there's just something really interesting and, and exciting about that. Uh, and then to see, you know, from the flip side, uh, he remains in a new light and this very mysterious character, but to understand a little bit more about what, what's going on with him, um, and, and, uh, what he's capable of and, you know, where his head was at all along. Why did he let Sylvie stab him? What did he mean by she soon, you know? All this stuff we get to play with here. Uh, yeah, this is really interesting. And it was it comes at a point where I'm like, where, what are they going to do here? What are, what are they going to do next? Uh, I felt like everything was driving towards them fixing this loom thing. That's and then thrown it's just, out the window. Completely. Now, it's like we're, we're waiting here. for them to fix the loom, here. and it's just not going to happen. You know, and that was yeah. a, a cool way of storytelling as Loki tries to convince Sylvie. He tries to tell her. <laughs> That she, she can't kill he who remains But she won't listen So he has to keep going back earlier and earlier To try yeah. to stop Sylvie But it won't work Every time she's able to kill him To kill he who remains And we get to a moment mm-hmm. When he who remains pauses time Yeah 
and Loki and he who remains have a sit down. Yeah, and like, it, it, talk. It was a yeah. little moment like that because it, it was uh, almost almost misogynist. It was a little moment. bit. Right? Oh, let's get is. to business now, right? Yeah. But yeah, but it's like you got the emotional woman who who was being won't be logical in the moment, and then he's like, uh, pause her, and then let's have the men to, like discuss things, like and get get down to brass tacks here. So that there was, yeah, you could look at that as a little bit of a, a misogynist. Um, you know, angle on things. I, I I don't think so though. It's it's it's. Not, I'm just being silly saying that. Uh, but it, but it uh, felt it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there, maybe there's a little something there. there was but um, maybe misogynist isn't the right word for it. Uh, maybe a little a little bit sexist. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, maybe that's a function also of that the way that it wrote Sylvie. Again, that was my complaint. A little two one note where it's like I actually didn't get. I found it just hard to believe that. That she Loki was Loki. Couldn't get through to her. Or yeah, that, that, she, that could... she was Loki and that Loki couldn't get through to her. To her uh, here. I agree. That was it was yeah. kind of frustrating for me a little bit that yeah. he never was able to get through to her. Um, because mm-hmm. they did seem like they had more of a connection in season yeah. one, in that sense. Like there there was more coming from Sylvie's end, it felt like in that season, mm-hmm. and she just seemed kind of just not going to trust him at mm-hmm. all here as he remains mocks Victor Timely we'll, we'll, stuttering. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Before we go, and we're, we're meant to like her. I, I get the sense that we're meant to identify with and or like Sylvie on some level. And I find it just very difficult to do those things when the person is being so unreasonable. When they can't be reasoned with, I can't, I, I can't really like them. After that, um, yeah. and I can't identify with somebody that's completely unreasonable that cannot be reasoned with. That's that's really that's a hard barrier. To she break. was a very wet blanket. Like her character was meant yeah. to be that in a lot of these scenes, right? Like she would yeah. come in, like you said, and it's just everything's moving in one direction, and she's just nope. And I feel like it's yeah. halt. Like, yeah, and it was so the halt the momentum. Yeah, it's a sexist trope in, in in a way. I don't know if they intended that. But it kind of ended up being that. Yes. You certainly yeah. critique it on that level. Yeah. Um, you know, if she was a male character and he and he was acting in that way, we would still be calling that character a wet blanket. And I still wouldn't 100%. be identifying with them. It so had nothing almost, to do. Yeah, it, it had completely to do with with her, <laughs> like what was asked of her in this yeah. season, in the episodes, right? And yes. what like what they. The where she came into scenes and like she wasn't given a lot of fun stuff or things that made us look back on fondly, like you said, or all of the stuff. It's like uh, yes. again, Sylvie with this, or oh, uh, you know, you kind of you kind of got that feeling from her. And her mo- motivation is even more thin when you really think about how you know she and so was everybody else we met on the show. Like every other person we met on the show was like that, but they all could be reasoned with. Well, I guess some of the villains at the TVA were were kind of like necessarily understand their motivations either. Uh, but but still, like we met so many variants who wouldn't be like you know multiverse genocidal uh, based on their like whims of of uh, you know of revenge fantasies. You know, like that that's and that's kind of what she was doing. She was just so overtaken with her her revenge and wanting to right this wrong that she felt uh that was done to her that she was willing to like literally let the everyone die everything everything yeah so no i don't like her (laughs) i i i I have a lot of trouble liking her and um she kept saying she said one thing too that was like 
who are you to tell us that we can't die for trying? It's like, <laughs> well, everyone's going to die. You don't even have your option. It was like she was saying yeah. things that were like, what? That doesn't right. even. Yeah. I know. Like, of course, you got to give everybody a chance. You know, like, absolutely. Um, I just yeah, felt he, like that needed to be, like, you know, unpacked a little bit more, you know? Very much agree. Victor Timely gets mocked here by uh by yeah. he who remains who stutters a little bit and okay. he talks to Loki about time slipping. You you were slipping <laughs> through time thinking you were sticking into the system, gonna beat the man, and then whoop, here he is. Did you think I was just gonna sit back and let her kill me and that'd be it? Zip nada. No, I told you reincarnation, baby. <laughs> and Loki just continues to gain more and more. Information every time he has a conversation And again He who remains acts like this is the first time They've had this conversation mm. And it's not as Loki lets us know uh, He's definitely gained information From their interactions before Loki says a line From a T.S. Eliot poem It's called Little, it. Gid- uh, Little Gidding It's uh, the four quartets And this is another one of those instances T.K. when they use a piece of content that mm-hmm. fits this series and the characters just so, mm-hmm. so well. I think Loki's line is, we die with the dying, we're born with the dead. Yeah. And it's all based around time, kind of time travel, moving through time. Really fascinating. And it just shows you how smart a lot of the people are when they're paying attention to stuff like this. Yeah. Um, like you were talking about with the uh, the Beethoven's Fifth and what that meant in the remix and how this is remixing. Just things like this, mm-hmm. when you are paying attention, I love these types of tidbits because if you miss it or you don't really understand, it, it's just a, a, a line that is a quote yeah. that sounds good, that sounds like it fits. But if you read into it and you know where it comes from and what it is and how it relates to this, it just is – it's like a fun rabbit hole to go down, like a puzzle, a little bit of a, to, to solve. Yeah, and again, it's it's on theme. It it adds to the texture of the of the show. It's not just a a line that sounds pretty or t- that that fits in the moment. It it, it the themes of the actual work uh, overlap with what what we've you know experienced on this show and and the stories that are being told here. And it deals with you know time and uh, and uh, you know our relation to it and, and the, more of the human side of of experiencing time and the, the emotional side of that uh, and that's a lot of what we get here too um, we get these kind of abstract concepts played out visually for us uh, you know on a, on a two-dimensional screen uh, but it, it somehow affects us it somehow moves us and speaks to our experiences our journeys, our feelings, you know, what it's like to be a human being experiencing time uh, and experiencing, you know, everything that a human being does. And uh, yeah, like to your point, it's, it's just adding so much richness to the show uh, in a way that's not just throwaway. It's not just like, although I'm a writer and I like T.S. Eliot, so I'm going to put this line in here. It's, it's all very, very thought out how it fits together and does it, support the um the the overall themes going going forward and yeah i absolutely love that kind of stuff motifs like that i really really enjoyed this and i the interaction between loki and he who remains was awesome uh it was just it it was heavy you could feel it 
the looks, every word felt extremely yeah. important. And the line deliveries. I, I, I gotta say, I love when Loki says, "And what makes you think this is the first time we've had this conversation?" Like, oh yeah, Seth's kiss in that moment, so good. And then uh, also to your point, that when he drops that T.S. Eliot line, the reaction from uh, He Who Remains is so telling. It's such a it's such a a flip of the script there. It's a, it, for the first time he's on his back foot. He's yes. kind of like, like backpedaling a little bit. He's defensive and he's like real, mm-hmm. right? You kind of yeah. get you get the weight of him. Like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. I'm dealing with someone that's kind of on my level right now. Yeah, and he kind of code switches too. There's a yeah. there's a little you know he's not just like dropping the the veneer uh, you know the the performances that he's doing or he's not just um, making that commentary on you know the the performances of like uh, Victor Timely and uh, you know that's the stutter when he mocks that but the way like his literal the uh, uh, line deliveries just shift into something that's much more naturalistic. Much more, um, there's a little bit of uh, AAVE like, like tinge to it going on there, uh, where it just feels more authentic and uh, true to the actor, maybe, maybe more true mm-hmm. to Jonathan Majors. And then that underscores everything with a sense of like, this is the real shit. Seriousness. This is, this, I'm not lying anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything I say with this voice, you can, you can take, uh, yes, as, as like sweet. real. Yeah, it's yeah. Like you just you said it like a shift change, man. You feel it like the flip, the switch just yeah. gets flipped. Okay, this is a lot for you. I get it, you know. Um, and mm-hmm. and he says, uh, when there was two of you here, you were my favorite. So you figured it out, and um, you're having some problems with the temporal loom scaling problem. No, there's no problem. The temporal loom is a fail safe. When it's overloaded with branches, it deletes the ones that aren't supposed to be there. Everything except the sacred timeline. The TVA is just collateral damage. No biggie. It's easy to rebuild. And all my variants are out there. Loki says, we'll find them. I won't stop. It's never stopped me before. I thought he uh, he remains says, I know, champ. I thought this was like, <laughs> call oh, yeah. champ was a cool little line. Um, yeah. The outcome to this equation remains the same. And this... Brought me back to wrestling Where I like to bring up wrestling as often as possible Rowdy Roddy Piper Just when you know the answers I change the questions That was one of his <laughs> famous lines you know, From way back And this is exactly what Loki has to do here He says No matter what You know, you have one of two choices Either a brutal war where nothing survives Or you kill Sylvie And we think that's what's going Loki has to make that tough decision right now Is he going to kill Sylvie yeah. But but he has a different option. He says, I will change the equation. I'll break the loom. And as he talks it out, he has to do, I, I think before he comes to a hundred percent decision on what he needs to do, mm-hmm. he goes and asks for advice from one of his friends. Yeah. Right. All the way back to the beginning. Yep. Right. The first time we saw Loki in the TVA with Mobius. And as Mobius is talking to him And this was the moment when Mobius is trying to get information from Loki Loki stops him He says Mm -hmm. I know what this is You want to know what makes Loki tick And he 
He tells him what's going to happen He says you're going to make notes You're going to click that button on the machine You're going to play out scenes from my whole life How it's all meant to be Past, present, future Burdened with glorious purpose My life was a waste of time Ooh. And that <laughs> that got Mobius thinking Okay, it looks like somebody got a hold of the set list Yeah, um, I love that line That's such a too. great And Owen Wilson just does it perfectly Like, yeah, that's a little bit of pop culture like dialogue and in, in there like the way the way like why would Mobius talk like that I don't know it's just it, it's it's interesting I, I I love that line me too it's so good um so Loki asks Mobius for help how do you choose who lives and dies well prune we prune around here we don't choose the timekeepers they have that responsibility Okay, Loki says the timekeepers dictate the proper flow of time. They're busy untangling the epilogue. I know the dogma, but really, you're the one doing it. What comfort is that? Comfort? Mobius says there's no comfort. You're not going to find comfort at the TVA. You want to hear a good story? Listen to this one. A couple of hunters went out on a mission somewhere near the Black Sea to find a variant who's going to be responsible for 5,000 deaths that were not in the proper flow of time. We get there, there's a little hiccup. It's an eight-year-old boy. He's just minding his own business, swimming with his brother, jumping off the dock. And then one of the hunters who never had trouble pruning before, he had never hesitated. But that day, he did. He paused. Timeline started to branch. More variants appeared. It happened so fast. Partner had to step in and prune the kid. But by then, cat was out of the bag. A couple hunters had already died. All because that one hunter lost sight of the big picture. You got to keep the big picture in mind. And that quote, Mm -hmm. most purpose is more burden than glory. And trust me, you never want to be the guy who avoids it because you can't live with the burden. Wow. Really well written. Like just very eye-opening. This is what Loki was seeking, the advice from us. That's so great. I mean, glorious purpose. That goes all the way back. Oh, sorry. I think I was talking over you. No, go ahead. You out there for a second. (laughs) No, it was – it was it's a full circle glorious purpose like because mm-hmm. even and this is a thing that we have to all come to terms with like as they go on how do you live with it scar tissue you don't i mean it 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 wounds you it you bleed right. when these things hurt right they hurt right. it's you don't just Never. get over it it takes a little piece out of you every time yeah that's a great uh, that line scar tissue there's a lot of good lines in, yeah. in this all together there that i mean the more more Purposes, uh, most purposes more burden than glory was great, but then the one that just follows it, uh, trust me, you never want to be the guy who avoids it because you can't live with the burden. I, I, that's that's yeah. almost just as good, but then the scar tissue thing, yeah, that's great. Like, it's you, you, you heal up and, and move on, but you always live with it, right? It stays, it stays with you. That scar tissue never goes away, and that, and it is kind of a weaker, you know, like scar, scar tissue can break and much. For skin, so it's a it's a great little metaphor there, um, and, uh, and I love that the implication here too is that you know uh, one that Mobius couldn't kill the kids uh, or or the you know he couldn't uh, prune his target because you know he was possibly reminded by his, his kids uh, reminded of his own two two sons, yeah. uh, but also that the that Renslayer is is the is, one who did judge. it yeah I, I love that that's that yeah and the that, way it, it informs so much of the back uh, the backstory well it's because it's great because he doesn't when he tells the story 
he tells it like when when you tell a story that you don't want someone to know it's you. You're like, hey, I got this friend who he just got dumped by this girl, you know, and like, what is he supposed to do? And everyone's like, oh, we know, we know what happened, Gino. You know, it's okay. Um, yeah. and that's sort of what uh, Loki says. What happened to your partner? Even though Mobius never said it was him, I just thought that was a cool little like. And Mobius just picks right up. It. Uh, she mm-hmm, became yeah. a judge. Uh. The reason she's the reason you're here instead of dust in a TVA tent, yeah. Renslayer. She knew the hard thing to do was the right thing that had to be done. By hard, I mean impossible. There's no comfort. You just choose your burden. That's another one. Yeah. Great. Like, really good stuff. And as Loki goes to thank his friend and shake Mobius's hand, Mobius spaghettifies. Which was a big WTF moment because. I, I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around why it happens in that moment. I, the, the only thing I could think of is, you know, because it's, it's so much earlier than what we saw before. But I guess um, with the exponential timelines that uh, that, the uh, you know, overall, it's like it's like the the timelines are getting so big and uh, unwieldy that they're actually falling apart earlier on in in their timelines. Yep. Uh, because of the exponential development. So like that, if he keeps doing this, he'd probably have to go back further and further and further and stop the spaghettification until there was, you know, you know, he runs out of you know history to to uh, to fix. So th- that was that was something I don't know if I quite under understand it even still. Uh, but it was just such a crazy moment of like, wait, why, why did that just happen right there? And I even saw in some of the reactions I was watching. I think it was the new rock stars. Uh, I, I watched their watch along reaction to it. And that, that was the, they had the same thing where they were like, wait, why? Why did that just happen now? Um, and they don't explain it. Uh, they let it be something that just happens and we have to figure it out. And I love that they do that multiple times throughout the series uh, and especially these final episodes. Hunter, uh, now we're back with Hunter B15. We're back with our whole group uh, B15, OB, Mobius, Loki, and Sylvie all together. This is where Loki was kind of using all of the the friends, getting the group back together to to time slip. And as he pauses time, he tell B15 is gone, and now Loki has a chance to talk with Sylvie. I finally learned to control the time slipping I went back I thought I could fix the loom It's a fail safe It was designed to protect the sacred timeline And nothing else Sylvia I'm out of options I've tried everything The only way that anything survives Is And she interrupts him If I never kill he who remains in the first place So you have to kill me I'm not going to give you my blessing If that's what you're waiting for And Loki still quite hasn't figured it out I think here He's still yeah. like there's still a moment where he's asking her, what do I do? It's the sacred timeline or nothing. It's not enough to protect the sacred timeline, Loki. Even down there, it's full of death and destruction and injustice. Do you really want to be the god who takes away everyone's free will so you can protect that? You know, what good is free will if mm-hmm. everyone's dead? Right. Um, Sylvie says you're replacing one nightmare with another. I grew up in apocalypses. I've lived through enough to know sometimes it's okay to destroy something. And he asks her, if if there's a hope that you can replace that thing with something better. And she looks at him, and that's the moment when he realizes what he needs to do. It's not about fixing the loom. It's not about 
having to kill Sylvie. It's not about how far he goes back in time or what moment he goes mm-hmm. back in time. He needs to be the one to make the ultimate sacrifice for his friends, for the people he loves. And this gives him a chance to be the god he always wanted to be, to be someone who mm-hmm. in his heart he thought he could be, the brother like Thor, the 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 good person who can help, who's all powerful. He gets to be that here in the most beautiful way. Like it, it's yeah. really, really incredible. And I will say, like, I the moment when right after this, he goes back to that that constant, the time when there, Victor Timely is about to walk out onto mm-hmm. the, the gangway, and Loki smiles at everyone, and yeah. and he walks out, and like this part from this part where he doesn't say a whole lot, you just see even like the last you know twenty minutes of the episode, there's not a whole lot of pages of dialogue. Like I usually am looking through the script to kind of go through quotes and stuff, and there's not much mm-hmm. because a lot of it is just you you seeing. Tom yeah. Hiddleston's face and reaction and like the it's so impossible to describe all of the emotions that he's showing on his face and it's incredible. Yeah. It's like there's the like a, like a sadness but ultimately like a comfort in what he's doing. You know? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, there's a bittersweet aspect to it. Yeah. It's so cool and he smiles at everyone. He walks out on the gangway. He looks like lovingly at Sylvie mm-hmm. and Mobius, who are both both of their faces are in this one little window of, yeah, the, of the door, yeah. and they're looking out. And he kind of talks to the both of them together, mm-hmm. and he says, "I know what I want. I know what kind of god I need to be for you, for all of us." This is the uh, this is the moment from Armageddon. Right, Bruce Bruce Willis goes <laughs> go, goes down, and he like pushes Ben Affleck back in the back in, and yeah. he goes down, and he gets to push the button himself. Right, this is kind of what what's going on here. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, you know, it, it is a self sacrifice in this moment, um, and he's doing it for the people he loves, and he's doing it uh, for his glorious purpose, which is which is a burden, uh, but there is glory in in it, uh, and I love that you compared. Um, that this journey to like fatherhood, you know, there, there's, there's so much glory, uh, in that, you know, that, that burden of, of purpose, uh, and you're putting others before yourself. And that that's like, that's a happy ending, but, uh, to the individual who's doing it, there, there's suffering there and there's loss. Um, uh, and it's not, it's not not the reward, right? You're not, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and you're not getting the pomp and circumstance every day for the diapers that you change and the meals that you cook, right? When you're, right. it's the same sort right. of thing here. Loki forever will have this weight now, forever. He's mm. pulling the branches, he's fixing things, he's making sure things don't get too far over. It's not yeah. for himself. He's not out. He doesn't get out there to live anymore. It's for everyone else so that they have a yeah. chance. I think that's the line that yeah. they they yeah. use here at the end where they said. You know, as Loki walks out, and they didn't need to have a lot of dialogue through this point because the visuals were so incredible. When 
he walks Absolutely. out onto yeah. the gangway and the force is just ripping like his clothing off. I did yeah, watch that yeah. new Rockstar's reaction where the girl kept asking for him to his clothes to come clothes all the way off. off. Come and on, the clothes, get the shirt off. More clothes come on. Like, oh, there's more clothes. It was so <laughs> She's great. Disappointed. Yeah. It was funny. I, yeah. I, I chuckled at that. And uh we see his his horns come out and with all of his yeah. magic and his strength, he breaks the loom. Mm-hmm. And he ages a little too. He ate like you see on his face. It seems to be like he's a little older, in 100%. That, which is fitting too because you know it's been I think I said twelve years. It might even be more than that since he started the the role. He started when he was like twenty seven. Now he's in his forties. Um, you know, not old by any stretch, but uh, they they ha- not a whole lot of actual time in the story has gone by. Uh, so you know he they have to kind of explain if they're ever going to bring him back, which they might not. Uh, they they got to explain you know, why he looks thirty years older. older. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Exactly. So there's a there's a reason for for all that. Um, but yeah, I love this this sequence. Like like you said, the visuals of it, the the energy of the, the loom, uh, all that stuff was always really interesting to look at. But just like we don't even really know exactly what he's doing. Like you said, no. they don't really. We just see it. And then it kind of makes sense. It's like he's yeah. forming things back to this tree to where yeah. everything's just more fluid. And, and yeah. it's like he's able to keep a like a, a a more focused eye on everything. So if one thing branches off, yeah. he, can, he can prune it. He can take care of it. It just he's got everything back to where it should be. And yeah. he... It's just beautiful the, the greens that are so visual As he mm-hmm. walks up now And he's the tender of the timelines The vines yeah. and the branches All over um, it, low, it's, key, low key who remains right Low key who remains And like the the pride I wrote down too It's like he's got a sense of pride I think It's like you Low key, you low can, key who remains For some you, reason, you, you can You can kind of feel yeah, just for just for a quick second, I think we cut. But I, you can kind of oh, yeah. feel his family watching him. I could like Odin yeah. and Thor and his mom all like proud of him in this moment. And I think him oh, being yeah. like, "Look at me, mom and dad. Like I was meant for this all along. Remember, I knew this was in me, and it's not in a lot of people." Um, another point, like the girl from uh, New Rockstars, and I was watching that too. She kept pointing out, like, I couldn't do something like this. I'll tell you right now, I'm not selfless enough to make a choice like this. Um, so it is really beautiful because I uh, think all of us hope that we would be the person to do something like this, but mm-hmm. and a lot of us wouldn't. And it's and you don't really know until that decision you, is right in front of you. His hero's journey, it's like a complete self-sacrifice, and uh, that's something that only a hero could could do is you know sacrifice himself for for a greater good. Uh, in this case, it's like for all the greater goods, essentially for for all of existence, even all, even all the greater b- bads, I suppose. You know, he's he's protecting everything as a as a a god of of sorts. You know, I don't know if he's the one, the one true god necessarily, or he's the god of time, or or something different, the god of stories. Uh, you know, like, like he is in the comics, um, some kind of a combination of you know those things. Uh, but yeah, again, going back to even just the, the way that they tell this story visually, you know, they don't explain it. They don't have uh, Loki say, I am the god of stories or now this is what I am going to do. And this this is how this works. Uh, but we get an idea of it 
Uh, and I heard somebody explain it, uh, which I think it might have been heavy spoilers coverage of it, was saying that it's like um, a representation of a, a 4D uh, entity or being um, enacting uh, his will onto, you know, a three-dimensional plane, uh, you know, or something, something, you know, to that effect, you know, something, something of a higher dimension, which you couldn't actually visualize uh, in, in a, a 2D medium, which is what we're watching, you know, on a screen. But somehow they're able to to convey uh, very beautifully um, exactly what's going on, what his, you know, responsibility is to you know, this this uh, this new world, this new multiverse. Um, and it's, it's just done in such a, uh, a fantastic way where it's, it's, uh, you don't really question it. You're, you're kind of in awe of it as you watch it. And you're, you're certainly, you have questions about it that you want to, you want to know more about it, but I think it, it evokes exactly what it's meant to evoke in terms of the, you know, the character's journey, what's on his plate now, what he's given up. Um, everything, uh, everything that's important about, you know, a, a hero's journey is, is all there and it culminates in this in this sequence here. Uh, and it, it's just inspired, again, going back to Yggdrasil, uh, that, you know, this whole tree of, of life, this branch timeline thing that, that now, you know, when you look at the TVA and the aftermath of it, they've taken the timelines and basically turned it uh, sideways by 90 degrees so you can see the, the the trees and now they're instead of pruning the timelines they're they're um i don't know what the, they're tending to yeah they've got this, like a new tree, staff beautiful tree. now you could see yeah, they've got it, like new workers yeah. and it just seems like the place is run a lot better like the there's right. like an hr department it feels like you know they've got they got the don't be evil like google yeah. uh, man <laughs> exactly and yeah. it feels better um b15 seems like she has a major role here <laughs> and they reference the uh they reference that 616 an adjacent realm yeah uh, they just adjacent. Yeah, yeah they just found the events they basically talk about the events of Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Yeah. And like so the a, quantum realm is an adjacent realm to 616, which makes perfect sense. Uh, and that raises some questions, too, that I thought, like, okay, so are all these realms, like, is Talo a 616 adjacent? Is that, like, would that be 616B oh, or something yeah. like that? Like, oh. all these different realms. Uh, is Asgard... I, I'm, I'm still confused. Is Asgard, uh, like just a distant galaxy or is that an actual like like do you have to cross I'm, I'm confused I'm, i don't know the rainbow bridge what exactly is going on there are, are you crossing between realms or is it technically all in the same universe like where if you had a, a, a ship that could go light speed you could travel to that like I, I don't i'm not sure the hierarchy of it still and i'm very curious about that but i i thought that, that was an interesting piece of the puzzle that they dropped there it's just a little easter egg at the end as they get ready for a big meeting, Mobius wants to go take a look at his actual self, who he was. Don, he's never really looked into his file. Now he wants to do so. He says a goodbye to B15, and she tells him that if you ever want a seat back here, it's yours. And she walks into a busy room with many employees of all levels. Uh, cool to see. And OB, he has a new second edition 
of the TVA handbook. Yeah. It's written. It's ready to rock. We now kind of see the domino effect. Victor mm-hmm. Timely, young Victor Timely, he never gets the TVA handbook. So he's never set off on that path. He becomes a candle maker. The young boy continues mm-hmm. to make candles in Renslayer. Yeah. She wakes up in the void. We see a former version of the TVA in the rubble. And in the background, mm-hmm. the flashing lights of Elioth. Yeah. But like always, when we don't see someone completely right. on screen end, we never know. Mm-hmm. And you feel like we could see Renslayer back Maybe commanding in some way Maybe she was able to figure something out With Elioth I just I feel like there's yeah. more to scratch with her That was a major loose end uh, I, I really wonder if that was something That was a byproduct Of them uh, having to Switch things around with episode 5 I, I wonder if She had a much bigger role to play Along with Miss Minutes I'm assuming in episode 5 um, Some of the hunters uh Forgetting his name, uh, but the guy who was kind of the turncoat, who was the movie star, Brad. Oh, forget, yeah, Brad. How, what that? What happened with him? Did did we get a final yeah. uh, verdict on where he is? So, like, yeah, a lot of these guys. I'm I'm curious. Like, were they supposed to do something in episode five, and they feel like loose ends? They felt like things that were um, meant to be resolved that didn't get resolved, uh, or and that it should have been resolved within the context of the story. So. I, I do think that that it w- was one of the, the cons of the overall experience here. Um, they should have been probably excised from the the show more so if they weren't going to pay that off. Yes. Uh, in, in favor of focusing on, you know. They, they should have snipped them a little earlier. Yeah. yeah we should have yeah, even gotten that, these like mm-hmm. things this far down and not Absolutely. finish them if they don't. And maybe they will have something planned for wherever we're headed next. Uh, yeah, but as of yeah. right now. There were a few I'm uh, like Miss Minutes for example She does pop back up at the end Just for a second Hi, Hi y'all I'm Miss Minutes And Hunter B15 says "Uh, Are you sure she won't Try yeah. to kill us all <laughs> OB just shrugs uh, Yeah that's just great OB you don't really instill a lot of confidence there <laughs> Um, And yeah that's when Young We saw young Victor Timely We saw Renslayer mm-hmm. in the void And Mobius Watches his mm-hmm. real self Dawn playing with his kids yeah. It's a yeah. You actually um, I will For a lot of the gripes I had If we got a little bit more of this Earlier I would have felt better with Mobius I think yeah uh, a little More of yeah. this of him seeing himself earlier Because I could feel it a little bit with him Here like watching himself I think he even gave uh, he said a really Kind of sweet line is he watches His real self playing with his kids um, mm-hmm. Sylvie's there and she says, man, the yard could do with a bit of work. And he says, no, it's great. Christ, it's the best house on the block. You yeah. know? And he says <laughs> something like, never look, never know. You know, to himself, yeah. he's just like, he loves this life. And he, he wants to be there with the, with the kids, with the boys. Yeah, and uh, to, to that end, I, I'm a little confused uh, about his resolution here. Me too. Um, I feel like this. We're not going to see more of him in in the MCU. I, I I hope we do. That would be really nice. But I don't expect that with how they're leaving things. And just you know, it's Owen Wilson, so I gotta feel like he's probably going to want to do other stuff. But I have also heard that maybe he's in uh, Deadpool. So I'll keep my fingers crossed for that, or that that he shows up somewhere and that they do him do him right in that storytelling. Uh, but I'm also just gen generally confused and 
curious as to like how it works with him returning to his timeline because he's watching himself does he get to merge with that consciousness does he replace that guy at some point like does he or is he did he go back early to wait to the point where uh that older version of himself gets uh picked up by the tva and then he just can slip in right yeah but then how does that work because like then I guess it, yeah. it would be like a self-completing loop and like he would be the version that that ends up replacing him so it would be all good but then does he have the, the memory so like if he was just uh you know if he was just talking to his um uh his kids about something does he know what they were just like what where they just left off does, does he have any of those memories so that he can actually function as their dad uh that, that's all know, a like he's watching it and saying like talking like he doesn't know anything right Right, oh man, right. it's the best house on the block. It's the greatest. Don't look like like he doesn't know the experiences here. So that is confusing. Yeah. That's very for us to watch him at the end, not knowing as um mm-hmm. he I did like some of his lies. I just will I might just wait here for a little bit and let time yeah. pass. That was really bittersweet and yeah, that touched me, honestly. Yeah. yeah. And it was his delivery. Of it yeah. that really sold that, yeah, because he has not. I mean, for who knows? For eons, uh, he's had this this uh, existence, you know, of like frozen this, in this time with no memories, yeah, yeah. no yeah. no progress, and that's something that like when you know when you do thought experiments about that, like okay, well, what if you had you know eternal life? Like, would you want to die at a certain point? Would you want something to like to change, or you, would you want to get old because like? How could you just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again? Uh, would that be maddening? Um, and so, yeah, he's embracing this thing that we that we all kind of uh, have this innate almost fear of uh, of you know time passing. It's something yeah, that we all kind yeah. of lament the, the passage of time. But he is here on the other side of that, going like, I'm just gonna like let this let time wash over me. Like, ba- I want to bathe in the the movement of time. I mean, he's seeing the beauty of it. And yeah, there was something I thought that was profound beyond uh, this, the scope of, of this show in, in just that moment. I hear the ticking of the clock. It's lying here in front of me. <laughs> like, that song just kept coming into my head. A lot of funny, uh, funny time yeah. travel stuff in this series. And man, we end with beautiful Mobius looking at his family. And then we get to these Greens and the branches and Loki's yeah. face with the crown on. He is doing mm-hmm. his job now for all time to save his friends, give everyone a chance. The theme music mm-hmm. plays, and we get what I think is a send off for Loki. And if it isn't, and we see him again, mm-hmm. like you said, they'll explain why. I've heard there it may be possibilities of Loki like assembling a team or, you know, like he, secret wars, maybe. Yeah, something like that. Something like but that. If this was the last that we saw of him, what a mm-hmm. fantastic way to yeah. say goodbye, to send someone off, and to come full circle. And I do think that there's part of – because to me, this is going to go down as one of my favorite Marvel MCU yeah. like, properties of all time. And I think the Anything. reason yeah. why this worked well versus some of the other like Marvel MCU stuff is that not only is that – this felt new because we've never really gone into Loki that much, but we did mm-hmm. know this character for a while, and he yeah. was an important character. So it wasn't yeah. like, oh, we just got introduced to Kamala Khan, you know, or like it Absolutely. wasn't like we just got introduced to one of these characters where 
you know, and we see them in a few more movies and and shows. Maybe we'll feel a little more connected to you know Kate Bishop, you know, and and some of them mm-hmm. who we don't have a problem with. But in this yeah. series, it just felt like someone that we really knew, and we have seen yeah. this guy come completely full. Circle. He's been an ass. He's been a murderer. He's been like snarky. He's been self-absorbed. So many times he makes comments and just like, I didn't lose that. I didn't win. I was the better one there. You know, everything he said was always so much about himself and his final moment or like his most glorious purpose was Mm. to be selfless and not to be about himself. Yeah, I, it was it was a great thing to see that character arc because, yeah, like you said, we we've just experienced so much with the guy over the over the course of more than a decade. Um, I think it was six movies, two uh, TV uh, seasons, uh, a lot of time, and and prominent stuff too. And we got to see him as as a straight up villain, a sympathetic, tragic villain, uh, and then somebody that uh, goes even further with that. You know, in in, in Avengers. Uh, and he's he's basically this genocidal villain, like just under Thanos. And then you get to see the the reconciliation with his family, which seemed like you know impossible at one time, but they they made it work in you know in those great movies. Uh, and even Thor Two: Dark World, like he's he's fantastic in that. And that's not a bad movie by any stretch. It's just not one of the best MCU movies of the first uh, phase. That that said, it's still like a, a really good one. Um, uh, like he has a great performance uh, that you that, that can't be uh, um, that can't be undersold here. Uh, just the the charisma and, and the the writing that went into the range uh, his character and the range that yeah. he was able to to pull off uh, and and work you know beyond the material and elevate the material. Uh, He's just done so much there. And yet you compare that with a lot of the newer offerings, which is by comparison, it's they're they're uh hey, here's here's this new character that's like kind of a version of a character that you've you know known to love. Uh love them right away and and care about what's gonna happen to them in the course of this you know, you know, six episode series. And yeah, maybe maybe they are successful in that and maybe they're not. Most more often they've kind of been not. Uh, with these Disney Plus offerings, um, you know, retroactively, I feel like a lot of these series look worse when we compare them to to Loki. The good yeah. ones, no, you're you're Overall, right. Yeah, this just had so much going for it. And uh, to your point about being this this being the culmination, or you know, his swan song, I think it is. I think it's meant to be at least for now. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the end of his story. This is the end of an arc. It it uh, sums up pretty beautifully. I think you know the, the trajectory of his character. Uh, and uh, it still leaves open for, I think, you know, in another phase around Secret Wars, uh, there's a perfect opportunity for him to be like, like you said, like a, this watcher type character who needs to assemble, uh, you know, a group of, you know, new, you know, multiverse Avengers, whatever you want to call them, uh, from various timelines. Yeah, that could be uh, cool. This is where we can get X Men. This is where we can get yeah. Oh, that's properties. cool. We can we can get uh, Peter Parker. Um, uh, what what's his name? Um, Miles Morales. We can get Miles Morales in this. We can get other versions of like I don't know. If the, is the Secret Wars Spider Man going to be uh, yeah. Garfield or or McGuire? Like uh, I, I, alongside Hugh Jackman's Wolverine and some like some key players from like the you know Fox X Men or even like the Fantastic Four movies like. 
like I don't know. Like I think Deadpool's gonna probably inform that a little bit. Uh, and then we've got some time to work with. We still got to get through like Kang Dynasty or whatever. But Secret Wars is on that horizon, and that's kind of the perfect target, I think, to to bring him back. But they're gonna let it let us miss him for a little while, just exactly. like we're not gonna see uh, Tony Stark for a little while. And that's again that Secret Wars is the opportunity to bring back some of those A players from you know Phase One, even bringing back like a Chris Evans or or. Um, uh, Robert Downey Jr. and mm-hmm. I think all of that is on the table and plausible. And it's like at the point where they're doing that, that's that's the time when you bring back Loki, and that'll be a great opportunity for like a, a renaissance of, of of Marvel. And what we've done here, uh, what we've seen here, is is uh, a revitalization of the MCU at a time when it desperately desperately yeah. needed it. It did, and um, it was a good because reputation, everything, yeah. And just the combo of what was going on in Hollywood too, with the writers' strike and the actors' yeah. strikes, right? Like everything right now, there wasn't a whole lot of buzz and excitement about the Marvels leading into no. it. And I don't know if it was necessarily because the movie's not good. I I, I haven't even honestly like I tried purposely that. to stay <laughs> away. Yeah, I've heard not not fantastic, but I purposely tried to stay away from like. Scathing reviews one way or the other um, Because I do think there was Some weird momentum Leading into Mm -hmm. it and I wonder now If coming off of Loki feeling a little bit Better about it um, My perspective might be a little different when we see That movie and and talk about it because I will say man it's so much more fun To feel Mm -hmm. this way at the end Right now how you and I both do Talking about Loki than we did For a lot of these other projects and It does give me a little Bit more faith in the mm-hmm. direction now moving forward Where I was yeah. starting to waver And I'm not, again, I'm not going to say Everything is perfect And sometimes there's no. still a bit too much And sometimes there's mm-hmm. still been feelings Like the graphics or the they weren't done well enough Or they had to outsource stuff Or you know, there were problems with these strikes And, and the pandemic mm-hmm. and COVID And we've even heard that Daredevil has had to You know, things got pushed back And Ooh. certain, like, not positive for a lot of those things yeah. But like you said This needed to hit And it did And I, and because of that I feel just really uh, Like a lot yeah. more um, Trusting And like willing yeah. to Willing for like One or two things To not be 100% Because this was pretty good Absolutely And it, it's interesting You talk about like The momentum And like the shift Of like the uh, the In the zeitgeist Around people's perception uh, Of these properties And whatnot. And you know I, I've undergone my own uh, Shift there I mean when we started uh, this we, we had so much promise, you know. We we're coming off of the Infinity Saga, which was so satisfying, and you know it had its highs and lows. But overall, it was worthwhile, and there were some good films in there. There were good movies in there uh, that felt like you know, maybe they're not Martin Scorsese cinema, but they were they were you know, they were cinema on some level. Like like they they didn't just feel like a product. Um, you know that first Iron Man movie is great. It's it's a, it's a it's a movie, man. It's a real movie, uh, and a lot of the movies that they made were, were like that. But at some point in this latest phase, it became more about like content. Yeah, you could feel it. It uh, didn't feel like the experience yeah. as much, you know. And and we were so so excited. I remember like we were like, this is just the gift that keeps on giving. We're gonna have this show and that show, and it's all gonna happen. Blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, reality sets in and some things hit and some things didn't. We could definitely see the the uh, strain of, you know, the budgets and so much going on and the quality control not being as good overall. 
and then enthusiasm starts to wane and then something's really bad and it really takes a dip and then you get all these like uh i mean uh we just had south park uh skewering uh, uh disney and kathleen kennedy from the lucasfilm side of things mm-hmm. so like like emphasizing you know quote-unquote woke politics over you know actually like telling stories about their characters uh like having more of an agenda uh of, of like social justice uh over telling good stories uh and and doing the justice to you know the history of stories that that, uh, that they could mine and create for these characters and they're they're often their priorities in certain ways but now they've gotten a lot of feedback we've gotten through this pandemic we've canceled some stuff we've got new people running um uh, you know bob Iger's back and and he wants you know i don't love bob Iger, but he wants changes because he sees how it's been going in certain ways so they're gonna have to shift their priorities a little bit part of that is just slowing down part of that is just uh you know scrapping certain things like you mentioned daredevil they shot nine episodes of the 18 that they were going to shoot they're they're starting over there's nine episodes out the out the window in the trash uh and i think it's probably a good thing i do too. I hope that's a good thing i think so too uh, because it wasn't going in the right direction i think now, they got, were feeling it can. and that's mm-hmm. the thing I, I i trust that they were getting that feeling from the fans too yeah. I think they were yeah. feeling like us all, like each time it was like, there. and again, there weren't really many things, I think, except for Secret Invasion that was like, this is an F, you know, but there were so many things where it's like, God, that was like a C or like a C minus. And yeah. we were so used to like A minuses with everything, you yeah, know, yeah. and like we could feel it with things where it's like, we could feel cuts and scenes, we could feel things mm-hmm. happening. And I I get the sense moving forward that right now, at least they understand mm-hmm. that. And that yeah. I think we're going to get a little bit better or sharper or like the less is more. Everything mm-hmm. quality is going to be a little bit better versus the quantity kind of the, yeah. the older template that they had when we were getting one movie every year, you know, or one movie every right. other year where it was like more in between more time to make sure this is really, really good when we put mm-hmm. it out than worrying about, Oh, we've got this date because we have to have this out for Disney Plus. Yeah, and to that end, they just postponed Captain America. It's not going to come out till twenty twenty five, which is great. Which is great. Now, yeah, dude. Uh, dude. I mean, hopefully it's great. Ho- they're hopefully hopefully we're it's making for a right. reason, right? It, like it tested poorly. That's they said multiple sequences. Like they're going to reshoot, and uh, next year it's just going to be Deadpool. Deadpool is the only thing in twenty twenty four that's going to come out in the movie theaters for for the MCU. I believe we're also going to get like Agatha. And one or two other things. I think um, early Echo. on we'll get, we get Echo. Echo or something. Yeah, we're yeah. gonna get Echo all at once too. Uh, and the trailer for that, uh, I I can't say for certain because it's just a trailer. But the trailer looks good. It does. It looks like old. Really good. Uh, it looks like Netflix Daredevil. It does. Um, and the vibe, I got me, like the feel of it. Yeah. So, so good, maybe we're on that one here. Yeah. yeah. Another one in the books, and now because as we record this on November 13th, within the next couple of weeks, we'll look at the Marvels when we get a chance to yeah. watch it a few times. So what's nice is that since there mm-hmm. aren't weekly episodes, it's not quite as time-sensitive for us to worry about getting that out. But in the next few weeks, we'll get a chance. You and I usually like to see the yeah. movies twice You know, mm-hmm. if we can't watch them at home to at least get a real feel yeah. for everything. So we'll, uh, we'll work yeah. on that. We'll get on the Marvels, and 
Man, it's amazing to think about all the uh, the ground that we have covered in this whole Disney Plus yeah. era, and now in the last you know year or so, you jumped over and been helping me with Star Wars stuff too. On yeah. top of all the Marvel and on top of all the MCU stuff, and it has been uh, just a blast getting through another one with you. And man, this was it was fun to talk about a show that we both really really liked, which yeah, we've had episodes of shows that we've liked, and there have been yeah like. Fun conversations and sometimes even being Critical or things not being perfect Is a mm-hmm. fine and fun conversation But yeah, this yeah. was good I just know In watching some of these episodes and in feeling It with you like we both felt uh, Like really invested in This show you know and just like into the yeah. show Like as much as I think anything that we Talked about I looked forward to It me too. I looked forward to seeing The show and I didn't mind rewatching It I wanted to rewatch Absolutely these episodes uh, and that was something that, you know, I don't, I wouldn't normally rewatch even the show that I really like unless I really, really liked it. Same thing. But, um, you know, I like to, I like to rewatch them when I'm, you know, discussing them with you, of course, but that becomes a chore when the, the show is just not good on certain levels. You and look at so, the time, yeah. you're like, oh is there God. 12 more minutes left? Come on. There's only and another start, scene. And then we know you, exactly yeah. you start doing and. I start Didn't questioning, like, you know, should, should we be doing Oppenheimer instead? Should we be doing, like, like Oh, I know. Like, a there's a couple times where I said, like, I don't yeah. know if this was and didn't get very much of that with this at all with Loki. No, no. Um, and that, great. again, yeah. just gives us the hope that they can do it when they want. Uh, they can, mm-hmm. and we'll be here talking about it. On that's what G said. Tim Kelly, our MCU Marvel correspondent and our Star Wars correspondent, helps us out with another one. And uh, man, thanks again. This was a a busy few few uh, months for the both of us, especially for me. Yeah. I was doing a lot of like horse racing work for the Breeders yeah. Cup, but now we're all caught up on everything. We can uh, take our time and get on uh, on the Marvels, yeah. and we'll be able to talk about that sometime soon. And always enjoy spending some time with my buddy, man. Thank you so much for all the help. Thank you. I look forward to next time. We'll be back talking about the Marvels very soon. Make sure to give Tim a follow on Twitter and on Instagram. Tim is not funny. Check out the great music projects that he and his wife have. And uh, we will have TK on very soon to talk about the Marvels. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, folks. But don't go anywhere. Still a lot more to come on this episode of That's What G Said. And that's going to do it for this episode of That's What G Said. Remember, we had another episode earlier this uh, week, just before this, where we gave you Friday Racing from Woodbine, Saturday Racing from Woodbine, Friday and Saturday Best Bets for Del Mar with Barry, and This Week in Wrestling. I had so much that we had to split it up between these two shows this week. So if you're looking for the racing and the wrestling, don't worry. We already have that all out there for you on the earlier episode, so you can find it right now. Hope you all have a fantastic weekend. Good luck with everything, and we'll talk to you again real soon.